Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast. Your number one source for everything Japanese MMA, including the Ryzen Fighting Federation. This is Andrew Benjamin, your host, and I'm joined today by a very special co-host uh, who is returning uh, again. Uh, I'm joined by Christian Gary from FocusFights.com, a great uh, website for MMA news uh, covering everything around the world. Christian, thank you again for joining me uh, for this uh, podcast. You're welcome. I mean, to be honest, I'm not, I mean, I haven't written an article on FocusFights.com yet, but I am a part of their Twitter staff, so let's just say I basically know somewhat of the ins and outs of that. (laughs) Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you are, if you're a part of their Twitter staff, you're still part of Focus Fights in my book. Yeah, I know. But still, before we get to talking about the Ryzen 11 card, which will be happening exactly, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, to be honest, we're doing this on the afternoon of July 22nd. So we'll basically... Well, if you're listening to us now, you're probably a few days away, but for us recording this, we are less than a week out from this. Literally less than a week out from this event that will take place at the Saitama Super, the world-famous Saitama Super Arena. Gotta get that out. And it'll be streaming live, as we know, worldwide on the Fight TV app. Mm. But I don't know if it's going to be showing terrestrially on Fuji TV because normally they show the co-main event, the main event, and highlights of other fights. But I'm pretty sure that Fuji TV is probably going to do what they usually do when it comes down to these rising cards. Air the co-main event, air the main event, and in between that, which is funny because it's going to be an intermission between the co-main event and main event, they're probably going to show some highlights. Just like they usually do. Uh, uh, if you want to watch it through uh, the Fuji TV way, you probably have to get a VPN, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. Verify pin number, if I'm not mistaken, but... Uh, yeah. yeah I, I've never... Yeah, I think you're going to have to do that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard about... I've heard of the, uh, the, ho- the hoops that you have to go through if you want to watch stuff on Fuji TV or TV Asai or any of the other Japanese television stations, and it sounds like an incredible headache <laughs> to just to, to, to watch the Japanese feed uh, for, uh, any, for any type of show, whether it be MMA, wrestling, uh, J-dramas, J-soap, operas, or anything of that sort. Even Japanese concerts, if you're into idols or... Mm-hmm. Stuff like X Japan, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, there are people that do that, you know. And hey, you know, they if they have the patience to do it. I don't. So um, if that's what you, if that's your forte, um, hopefully you'll join the Fuji TV um, side. Um, uh, but before we get into the uh, Ryzen Eleven preview, um, there are some uh, semi-related Ryzen news with uh, specific fighters. Um, uh, Christian, did you hear about uh, Khalid Taha's UFC debut today? Well, yes, I did hear about Khalid Taha making his UFC debut in Hamburg, Germany today. 
losing to former Cage Warriors featherweight champion Naimani. Mm-hmm. Uh, a unanimous decision. Yep. Um, he announced, Taha announced that he had uh, signed with UFC about a month or two ago. And, um, yeah, uh, this was his debut fight. And uh, while I haven't watched the fight, uh, he unfortunately did lose. Um, I don't know how well he performed or what he didn't do or what he did do uh, that netted him the loss. Uh, but hopefully this is not uh, his only uh, his 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 only um, fight in the UFC. Hopefully, he'll be given another chance um, to uh, show his skills. Um, uh-huh. And for those that don't remember, uh, just as a reminder, Taha was in the bantamweight tournament that Ryzen had last year, where uh, he advanced, but eventually was uh, was knocked out of the tournament by Otsuka by I believe it was a guillotine. Takafumi Otsuka. Yeah, uh, by Takafumi Otsuka uh, by guillotine choke. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, we have somebody going from Ryzen to the UFC instead of the opposite for once. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I wish, I really do wish more fighters can actually take, I mean, I do really, what am I trying to say? I wish more fighters would probably come from the UFC to Ryzen. I mean, granted, yes, you had Darren, you have Darren Cruikshank, you have Anthony Burchak, you had Ian McCall, even though he retired after getting embarrassed in nine seconds by Kyoji Horiguchi. But I would just love to see more big name free agents try and say, hey, you know what? Instead of going to Bellator or instead of going to the UFC, I'm just going to go to Ryzen and chill out for a bit. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, you, you bring that up, uh, I don't know if you heard about, uh, Josh Barnett, uh, parting ways of the Uf- UFC, but, uh, apparently he said that he wants to go to Japan to fight. Whatever that well, means. To be, well, to be honest, the dude's already got a high-paying gig with Access TV doing New Japan Pro Wrestling coverage with Jim Ross. I mean, did you see how he chased Jay White out the damn building? Well, not out the damn building, but into a loss to uh, Juice Robinson. Yes, two weeks ago. That was one. That was one. I, I was not spoiled on that. I went to that match unspoiled, and I w- I thought that was one of the, I one of the best things I've ever seen in, in a in a wrestling like in a wrestling match. It was so awesome just seeing Josh Barnett go. Almost uh, looked like he wanted to kill Jay White for that. Uh, yeah, uh, from what I've heard, uh, not planned spot of being uh, of throwing Juice Robinson into the uh, guardrail and Jim Ross uh, being flung back uh, pretty far. Yep, he got knocked out of his seat a little bit, lost his hat on the way down, and broke ribs apparently as well. Broke his ribs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's in Norman, Oklahoma. Going through a speedy recovery right now. Mm-hmm. Enjoying but, some 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 ribs mm-hmm. of that barbecue sauce of his. Yeah, all right. But back to Josh Barnett. I mean, the dude already had a high paying gig doing coverage for Access TV. The dude has history with New Japan Pro Wrestling. He has history with obviously Pancrase and Pride FC. So if he goes on to fight for Ryzen. It'll only just salivate a lot of JMMA appetites. And even if he goes to Bellator, 
and maybe he has a long-awaited fight with Fedor Emelianenko, assuming Fedor wins the Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix coming up, and he is a semi-finalist. I mean, those two could finally have the fight that fans of the old Affliction promotion been dying to see for the last decade. Mm. Is, is there a reason why that, that fight never happened in any organization? Uh, to be honest, not that I know of. All we've been knowing, all we as fans been knowing is that the original fight was supposed to have happened, but unfortunately, you know, steroids and Josh Barnett, mm-hmm. I mean, people say it goes hand in hand. I think that's bullshit, but... To be honest, I just thought that fight would have probably been pretty good if it were to have happened a decade ago. But now that Josh Barnett's a free agent, now that Josh Barnett is free to fight wherever he damn well pleases, and Fedor is now back to being one of the top guys again, albeit he has gotten over the curse of fighting in the States, if that fight does tend to happen, I would love to see it, as long as it's not on the zone. <laughs> oh God, I don't even I don't want to even get into the zone app or whatever because that's uh, that's I don't want to I don't want to open up the can worms. Um, hey, same here. <laughs> uh, regarding uh, but uh, some other fighters that are um, uh, connected to Ryzen. Um, but are not on the rising card is uh, Tenshin Nasakawa, um, who just recently had a uh, kickboxing match in Thailand that he did win by uh, decision. Um, uh, actually, it wasn't in Thailand. It was in Japan. Oh, it was in Japan? He, oh, I thought it was in Thailand. Oh, excuse defeated, me. Yeah, he defeated a guy by the name of Rob Tong. I forgot his last name, but he defeated a guy named Rob Tong, R-O-T-T. ONG via unanimous decision, but he ended up getting his hand broke during the fight, so he's a no go. Mm. Uh, the, the that I believe that is a tie uh, fire though, right? The guy he fought was was is uh, a yeah. yeah. Okay, that's the it. Guy he, the guy he fought was a world trained Muay Thai fighter. That's it. That's it. That's again my country's mixed up, but uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I do believe that he would have been on, on this Ryzen 11 card had he not gotten injured. Um, they definitely... Yeah. I mean, I can understand that, but to be honest, at least he was on a card with his little sister, Riri, R-I-R-I, who is only four, I think, four or five years younger than he is at only 15 years old. I think Tension's probably 20, going on 21. But... To be honest, Riri Nasukawa made a hell of an impact in her Rise debut. I think she won her fight via, if I'm not mistaken, she won her fight via finish, via knockout. Uh, I believe, yeah, no, I think you're right, you're right. Um, and um, if there's any indication that uh, of, of what her uh, older brother is doing, sounds like that she can definitely be a future... Uh, top prospect in women's uh, kickboxing. Well, not to mention, I mean, she could probably be going the same route as she could probably go and be. Uh, she could probably go the same route as Tension, 
just not doing two fights in one weekend. <laughs> but she could probably do the same thing Tension is doing and jump right into MMA. Well, yeah. Well, that's, if you know, she wants to. Yeah. Um, and definitely, since she's younger, she definitely has a lot more time. Not saying that that tension is old or anything, but she has she can have a better earlier start time than what than what tension is, when tension started going to MMA, and can make a a, a much more smoother transition. Um, I believe. Um, but uh, unfortunately, while tension is not on the card, we do have a bunch of. People that are on the Ryzen 11 card. And uh, uh, we have 10 fights. Some are uh, old pride rules. Uh, others are, uh, I guess you could consider them unified rules. Uh, three minutes, five rounds. And the uh, pride rules, first round, 10 minutes. Uh, and then second round is uh, five minutes. And um, what do you think overall of this card, Christian? Well, to be honest, and I was giving this a lot of thought... Even though a lot of people are giving this fight a, a shit ton of disrespect because of the fact that you have Andy Sauer on the card. Andy hmm. Sauer went to 1FC and pissed off Nobuyuki Sakaki Barra in the process. Uh. You basically left Takafumi... Uh, damn, Takanoi Gomi. You basically left Takanoi Gomi from... Having a stellar fight on the card that would have seen him actually give, been given a run for his money to now fighting somebody like Melvin Gilliard, who's been troublesome on the scales. He hasn't really, I mean, all he's been doing is taking up losses, pretty much. He's like Charles, he's like Charles Felony Bennett, but at least he still has a plus 500 record, mm -hmm. he being Gilliard. Mm -hmm. But still, even though a lot of people are getting this fight shit, I think it has the process, I mean, the progress. No, wait, what am I saying? I think it has the process to be a great fight card all around with the exception of the Gomi Gilliard fight. Mm -hmm. That's inter uh, that's interesting. Uh, I think individual fights on this card look good on paper, while other fights I'm kind of perplexed as to why they're happening, and I'll go into more detail when we go to, go to, uh, we look at those fights, but overall, though, I mean, I mean, the last card, um, that they had back in May, um, I thought it was a disappointing card on paper, but it wound up being one of the best cards, one of the best shows of, of MMA this year, and, you know, maybe that's what the same thing will happen with this, uh, uh, bad card on paper, but good card and ex uh, on the live uh, once again the ring. Uh, but right now I'm not too pumped for this card as I would like to be, and I'll get I'll, we'll get to that more as uh, as we go on. But uh, we should get right into the fights, uh, starting from the bottom up. Uh, the opener we have returning uh, knockout artist Darren Crookshank. Fresh off his uh, walk-away knockout uh, from the last card where he knocked out uh, Koshi Matsumoto. Uh, taking on... Yeah, he made Lux to see the light. Yes, <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, taking on rising newcomer uh, from Brazil, Tom Santos. Uh, this is a 
call a fight that would be first round is 10 minutes with the second round being five uh contested at 154 pounds lightweight um what can you tell me about uh tom santos christian well from what i've heard about tom santos dude is originally from Curitiba, Pahana, Brasil. He's now fighting out of Nagoya, Aichi, Japan, where surprisingly there is a ton of Brazilian contingency in that particular region of Japan, in the Nagoya region. Hmm. I mean, but still, point of the matter is Tom Santos is a well-trained kickboxer. He's one of few championships. In, he's won a few kickboxing championships so far in his time in Japan, and he's also fought. I mean, he's also fought in Pancrase. He's fought in Heat. He's fought in Road FC, and he's fought in Demolador fight. Which basically, I mean, he's. I mean, he's basically one of the two fighters who's going to be fighting for Ryzen. In the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of weeks or so, that you know, uh, putting that particular promotion on the map. Mm-hmm. But still, point of the matter is, Tom Santos is far from the unknown. He was in the Road FC. I mean, he was in the Road FC lightweight tournament, the one million dollar Road to Aso Kwan, their lightweight champion, and. To be honest, I think that he's going to probably be the main person just to give Crookshank a run for his money based off of his striking pedigree. Mm-hmm. Um, just for, uh, just to put it out there, uh, to compare the records, Darren Crookshank is 20-10, and 10, and uh, Tom uh, Santos is 9-5. and 5. Um, And uh, on Tapology, they have uh, the members can vote uh, on who they think is going to win in the, in the fights. Um, in, in each individual fight, and they right now the percentage has Crookshank overwhelmingly at a three percent over Santos at seventeen percent. Um, hmm. How did this? I guess they know it's probably going to be a landslide. But to be honest with you, I mean, I think I got to agree with them. This this fight is probably not going to see the judges' scorecard. No, yeah, absolutely we probably not. Probably won't even see the end of that ten-minute first round. No, I agree. This, I think, this fight will end in a knockout, um, and I think uh, Crookshank will win this by knockout. Um, I'm not too familiar with Tom Santos, but he's not. I can tell he's not a bad fighter um, with his record. Uh, if you if you go to his record, I mean, he has tons of of finishes. A lot of them by by knockout, um, uh-huh. including one that was in Road FC where he knocked out his opponent in seven seconds in the first round. That's 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 an impressive feat, uh, and I'm sure I, I I don't see this going beyond the first round. Um, and I think Darren uh-huh. take, uh, Darren Crookshank takes it by knockout in the first round. What do you think, Christian? Hey, I won't be surprised if Crookshank takes it by first round knockout either and by the way the fight is scheduled for three five minute rounds with elbows to the head being legal oops yeah. so yeah who you're, knows? yeah you're I don't know. I who said, knows we probably might see violence personified in a little highlight reel <laughs> yeah I, I mistakenly said two rounds before um because I, I i'm stupid and i misread that but yes it is it it's is two okay rounds. it's okay we all 
kind of mess up when it comes down to these fight cards, but it's okay. Um, and, you know, I definitely think that's a good... I, I do commend Ryzen for putting this on as an opener. Um, it definitely is an... Will be an exciting fight. And it's a good type... It's a type of fight that's, that's great to open a card with. And also, I hope that Darren Cruikshank comes out to Real American again. Uh, as his walkout oh, theme. Damn. But, you know, Cruikshank doesn't give a damn where he falls on the card. As long as he's out there to kick ass and take names, the Detroit Superstar will pretty much know. I mean, the Detroit Superstar will probably do all he can to make sure that he's the show. Oh, yes. Anytime he's on that card. Um, and probably, and if he does win, he'll probably give a uh, uh, promo uh, after talking about guns and all that stuff. Yeah, putting over his Michigan top team camp in White, Michigan. Mm-hmm, yes. But, yeah, I can understand you on that. Next fight on the card was supposed to be the debut of Full Metal Dojo veteran Anon Saklek Taknoi Tiger Muay Thai against Kai Asakura. But of course, Kai Asakura got injured in training for this fight with a knee and with a right knee injury. And they basically had to ground up his opponent on less than a couple of weeks' notice. So the person they managed to get for Top Boy is Shudo veteran Tadaaki Yamamoto, otherwise known many as Oni Bosu. Um, actually, you don't know, I mean, do you probably know anything about this Oni Bosu guy? Um, I don't know a lot. I actually want. I actually contacted a, a friend of mine to ask what Oni Bosu means. Do you know what it means in Japanese? Uh, to be honest, I'm I'm trying to check. I'm basically doing my crack research right now as we're speaking. All I know is that he he is a well-endowed veteran of the oldest MMA promotion in the world, which is Shudo. I mean, that's all I've known about him. Other than that, well, what my uh... no, the dude knows the dude is no scout. Yes, um... the dude is no slouch, Really, he's a he's a fighter with a fifteen, ten, and three record. He's been fighting pretty much since. Let me check. He's been fighting since 2009. He's a veteran. He's a longtime veteran of Shudo. He fought his first fight in deep. He obviously repped Shudo through and through, and he's currently riding a two-fight losing streak, losing to Hiromasa Okikubo. Hey, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, Hiromasa Okikubo (laughs) via sleeper hold back on October 15, 2017, and losing to... MMA veteran, MMA legend, Yoshino Maeda, mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. on June 17th. Um, so I just want, for, in case you want to know, so when I, I went to a friend of mine who's Japanese asked, what does Oni Buzu mean? Uh, Oni mm-hmm. means ogre, like uh, Shrek. If you, anybody's ever seen the movie right. Shrek, Shrek is an ogre. Now, Bozu mm-hmm. has, different, has three different meanings. It can mean kid, monk, or buzz cuts. So I'm going to assume if his picture is accurate that it's not buzz cut that that is that the bozo means 
Um, I'm going to guess also that he's not a monk. So, Kid is the only... Ogre Kid. Ogre Kid is uh, what I believe is uh, how he's in the name. I mean, he does look kind of like a kid. Um, at, and he is 32, though. And he is short at four, 5'4". Four. But, so, I guess that could be the kid part of it. Um, uh, yeah, but he's 32 years old. He's far from a kid, unless you're talking about, of course, Kid Yamamoto. Yeah. But he's in his 40s, but still. But, but I'm, also, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed at the ogre part, because I'm going by his picture on Tapology, and, I mean, he doesn't look like... I've seen some ugly-ass fires before, but he does not look like... He doesn't look like someone who's had his face beaten in by by multiple fights. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if the name is supposed to be ironic or like if it's am I is there something in translation that that it means something totally different. Exactly. Especially when you're trying to translate from English to Japanese, it mm-hmm. looks like a complete and other shit show. Oh yes. <laughs> um but as you said, he does have a fifteen and ten record, fifteen ten and three record, uh, but is on a two fight losing streak, as opposed to his opponent, who I cannot pronounce his real name, so I will call him Tiger Muay Thai. Um, uh, his name is Tanong Saklek, but his nickname is Topnoy. Topnoy, okay. You can call him Topnoy. I'll call. Want. I'll call him Topnoy, um, who is uh, uh, has a record of five and one, but. Mm-hmm. He I'm gonna guess. He fights out of the fame Tiger Muay Thai and MMA camp in Phuket, Thailand. P H U H E K. I mean H E T. And uh, like a lot of uh, Muay Thai fighters, he takes on the um, he took on his uh, his gym's name as his name. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. And um, and what all? But I'm, I'm gonna guess he's probably. I'm gonna guess his background is Muay Thai, obviously. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Four of his five wins, if I'm not mistaken, four of his five wins, including three inside the full metal dojo cage, shout out to John A. Nutt, mm-hmm. four of his five wins come by way of some form of first or second round knockout, especially a win over Anton Larson at full metal dojo 12, when he knocked his ass out in 13 seconds. <laughs> um, and so... What the uh, what the, the tapology uh, members are saying is that they pick uh, Topnoy overwhelmingly over uh, Yamamoto Onibozu. At they have Topnoy at they at winning at eight with an eighty percent winning at eighty percent, as opposed to the members who think at, that uh, Onibozu will win, which is at twenty percent. And I I'm conflicted because. I do understand why, but, I mean, Onibuzu is on a two-fight losing streak by knockouts. And he's taking on a guy who specializes in knocking out people. But, Topnoy is not an MMA fighter. But, Onibuzu is. So, I'm a little bit conflicted on who to... On who to, uh... Who do you think... What do, you th- what do you think about this? What do you think about this, uh, Christian? Well, first of all, you have to be aware that this was originally supposed to be Top Noy versus Kai Asakura. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, yes. Sakura suffered a right knee injury. He probably will not compete. I mean, he will not compete on this card. He'll probably be saved for either Ryzen 12 on August 12th or Ryzen 13, which will be sometime around September or October. But the point of the matter is, if this were Top Noi versus Kaiosakura, this fight probably would have gone the way of Asakura. Yes, I agree. Mostly because of the fact that Asakura is the more experienced fighter. Asakura is basically the more rangier striker of the two. He has a better record at 10-1. and one. So it would have obviously favored him. But seeing the fact that seeing the fact that Onibosu has taken Asakura's place, you say that you've seen some ugly ass fighters before. I think that Topnoy is gonna punch Mr. Onibosu into a into a state that only a mother could love. So, so he will be so he will become an ogre uh, at the end of this fight. After top noise well, him. <laughs> not, not exactly. Not exactly. I mean, he's basically going to knock his ass out. I just hope for only Bosu's sake. I mean, I just hope for only Bosu's sake. It won't be. I mean, I just hope for only Bosu. It won't be like that Anton Larson fight in Full Metal Dojo where he got knocked out in 13 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh. After, you know, after considering what you had been saying, I think I have to go with Topnoy as well. Especially going up against a guy who's been knocked out twice in his two previous fights. Uh, um, actually, let, I mean, let's go ahead and rephrase that. He lost to two of the top competitors in all of JMMA via submission and decision, respectively. Oops. Yeah, sorry. I'm, ah, got him. Okay, it's okay. We all make mistakes. Um, the matter is, we both selected unanimously that only Bosu is going to get his ass handed to him like it was served on silver platter. <laughs> yes. Uh, just to let everybody know as well, this will be uh, a, a, a fight at 130 pounds bantamweight. And also, it's kind of ironic that Kai Azakura had to pull out because the last fight that he had um, against... Um, it was against... Uh, uh, I'm forgetting, uh, Kizimon Saiga, uh, Saiga, Kizimon Saiga, Saiga replaced, (laughs) Saiga replaced, uh, Sichiro Ito, uh, who also had to, who had to, uh, who had to, had to pull out because of an injury, so, kind of a little Uh, bit of a weird, uh, actually, come to think of it, come to think of it, Kai's last fight was against Manel Cape, and all Manel Cape was doing was stalling, pretty much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was basically being a dick to him when he should have just kept up and kept going. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's great for Kai Asakura to basically take a break, you know, make sure his right knee heals correctly, and hopefully by the time Ryzen 13 rolls around, or maybe Ryzen 14 at the end of the year rolls around, he'll be ready but, yeah, as far as the Top Noi, only Volsu fight is concerned, yeah, I agree. Top Noi is going to be the absolute dog shit out of Overger Kid. How funny would it be if, if uh, Top Noi actually submits Oni Bozu? Well, 
to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised considering the fact that seeing the fact that Topnoy trains out of Tiger Muay Thai, he probably knows a hell of a lot more than just strikes. But I would be totally surprised if Topnoy ends up getting a submission victory as opposed to a knockout. Topnoy by fine armbar in the first, I say. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, let's go to the third fight on the card. It's a battle of the mothers. Yes, the shooting MMA mothers. Saori, yeah, shooting star Saori Ishioka versus, as I'm pretty sure many people call her, Milfi Miyu <laughs> Yamamoto. Uh, did you see the rising confession on this, on, on these two fighting? I have not, but seeing the fact that it just uploaded, like, uh, about, not even less than 24 hours ago, yeah. seeing the fact that it just got uploaded, I probably might check that out, because yeah. it shows, I mean, it profiles both Yamamoto and Ishioka, and the fact that they're raising kids, and how it goes into them training for this fight. Oh, it's actually... It may be the best Rising Confessions video just because of that aspect. It's so fascinating to watch these two almost mirror images of of their of just that whole aspect of their lives, you know, being mothers and being MMA fighters. It's it's incredibly good. Uh, it's Rising Confessions video number sixteen. It was uploaded today, and it does have English subtitles for those that want to watch it and don't understand Japanese. Um, mm -hmm. but I also want to bring up as well is that Miyu Yamamoto, she cut her hair. Ah, oh, no more braids. No more braids, it looks like, unless her hair grew back within about a month or two, but, uh, in that confessions video, she, her hair is, uh, is, is cut off. She actually, she has, does not have those braids, and actually she looks a little bit more older now without the braids. Oh, kind of like, I mean... Kind of like Minoru Suzuki without all his hair, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, and also, another interesting thing is that she she did her training in Guam. Me, oh, oh, the last territory of the U.S. Pretty yeah, much. Um, I'm I'm forgetting the 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 where she trained, but she she went there to improve her M her overall MMA skills, um, and uh. It if was, I'm not mistaken, she probably trained with Spike 22 and Rocky Martinez. Rocky Martinez, right? yes. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was the uh, the, the team that she trained with. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I didn't realize she actually speaks very good English as well, uh, Yamamoto. Well, I mean, she, I mean, no disrespect, she had to in order to be a part of the, or even try out for the Canadian national team for the 2012 and 2016 Olympics. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that as somebody who's been to Japan, you, it's very easy to be deceived by, by Japanese people who can pretend to not speak good English. Um, and so that, that's just unfortunate. That's the American assumption is that everybody in Japan does not speak good or any English. So that's, it's just unfortunate yeah. mentality that a lot of people have. Yeah, but you'd be surprised at how many people who, who come over... I mean, you'd be surprised at how many people that actually go to Japan from the U.S. and actually have to teach yes. English in Japan. Oh, yes, yes. How they actually have to deal with the experience. Exactly, yeah. 
Um, and well, enough about all that. Enough about all that. Let's yeah. talk about the fight now. Yep. Uh, we Ishiya got fifteen eleven overall, representing Zendokai Koganai, Koganai Tokyo, Japan, originally from Hasukaishi, Hiroshima, Japan. She is a former Jules. I mean, she is the former Jules lightweight representative, and she was a former Deep Jules. Featherweight title challenger to current World FC Animeweight champion Siyoki Han. Miyu Yamamoto, the former two-time Japanese amateur women's wrestling champion, and of course former Canadian, former Canadian national women's wrestling team tryout member. Originally from Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan. Now somewhat still. According to Tapology, being billed out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, of course. <laughs> she is one in three, most recently losing to Irene Cabello Rivera back in the 2017 Rising Super Animate Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, just also, uh, oh, just to let everybody know, this, this fight will not be Pride Rules. It will be uh, three rounds at five minutes. Um, are they allowing elbows in this match? Uh, let me go ahead and check. Well, while no, you... there will not be elbows to the face. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the two mothers don't want to have their pretty faces uh, shredded by elbows, so that's totally understandable. Uh, exactly. Uh, but the point of the matter is, and again, I know Miyu Yamamoto, she's... I mean, she's the matriarch, pretty much, of the Yamamoto family. Her sister... And her older brother and her father, they basically made their own legacies in the world of combat sports, especially Kid, obviously. Yep. But I just don't think Yamamoto has it. I don't think Miyu has what it takes in order to face off against women like Ishioka. Because, to be honest, I think a fight that would have suited her better would have been a fight against... Princess Satoko Shinasi of Deep Jewels because I think that those two would have probably had a better fight and it would have been a great way for Satoko to stop snacking on Korean ham and acres. <laughs> well, just uh, uh, just some background on this fight. It will be at uh, Super Atom weight, 108 pounds. Uh, and also mm-hmm. Ishioka. Uh, her last two fights, uh, one, one, her, the, the first one was a win Against Bestari Kizak uh, at the uh, one of the uh, Kikai, excuse me, um, uh, who she submitted in um, Ryzen uh, 2017 Yokohama, and then after that, she had a loss, decision loss against uh, Super Adam Sakura, who's going to be in the main event. Exactly. Now, is there? It's she. That last fight was back in 2017 August. Do you know why she uh, why she had such a long layoff? Um, uh, probably because she wanted to recuperate herself, take care of her family, make sure that she's all well endowed, well checked up, and probably because of the fact that she wanted to improve herself after mm-hmm. losing to somebody like Asakura, who nobody knew was going to be going straight to the Super Anime Grand Prix Finals and actually beating Reina Kubota. Which leads now to the rematch that they're going to have in the main event. But the point of the matter is, when it comes down to Ishioka, 
I think that her experience, and she has experience fighting top level women like, so, I mean, like Siyoki Ham, like Emi Tomimasu, Mina Kurobe, and even Reina Kubota and Megumi Fuji. I think that experience is going to play off well in her getting the win. No disrespect to Yamamoto. I mean, records aren't always what they deceive. I mean, for God's sake, look at felony Charles Bennett. But the point of the matter is, the point of the matter is, at one and three, I just don't think Yamamoto will get the win easily. If she does, it'll be miraculous. But I just don't think that she's going to get the win on you know, Ishioka. I feel like Yamamoto was one of those, peop- was one of those fighters who should have started off at, on the small regional scene and then work her way up to get experience. And I feel like, I, I, obviously her record is not indicative of what she's capable of, but unfortunately, she's fighting, she's fighting people who are so well-rounded in MMA that she, she's, kind, she's kind of, instead of, instead of going from A to B to C, she went from A to F to... To J, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh-huh. And she's basically fighting way up her weight class. Yeah. Which is ironic, considering she's an atom weight competitor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even barring that, though, she, I mean, she, the people who she's fought uh, are, they've, uh, they've, had, they've had skills, and uh, she's, I believe all of her losses are by submission. Is that correct? Uh, to be honest... Three of her four losses have been via submission. Okay, so... A Kravate submission hold lost to Reina Kubota. A straight armbar lost to the crazy Andy Nguyen. And an armbar lost to Irene La Nina Cabello Rivera. Now, when you have three losses due to submission, uh, uh, two in the first round and one in the second round, that is... I believe that tells a lot more than... That tells me a lot about what that fighter is weak in. And, clearly, and I think she's very weak in her submission game, her grappling game. And Ishioka obviously has a, a, top, a, a much more experienced a game in, in jiu-jitsu and submission and all that. And I think the, top, the Tapology members agree as well. They have, they're picking Ishioka, 93% of the members pick Ishioka winning over Yamamoto, who's just at 7%. And... Yeah. I don't exactly. see. It's not. It's to not. Be honest, yeah. Sorry. Go to ahead. Be quite honest. I don't think they're gonna lie either because they know what's gonna happen. They know that Ishioka is probably gonna win this fight, and it won't be no technicality either. Yeah, and Yamamoto is one of those is one of those fighters who I want to see do good. I really want to see her uh, succeed, but she's just she just doesn't have the well-rounded MMA background that she should have that she should have at this at the at the level of the fires that she's that she's facing off against. Yeah, and I'm not basically trying to down her age, 41 years old by the way, or the fact that she's turning 42 in August. In, he, huh? She's, I believe she's turning 42 in August. Oh wow, that's that's that is crazy. But still, point of the matter is, I'm not down in her age. I'm not down in her looks. For those who are actually listening to this podcast and not hearing 
what I have to say past the milfy me you part. <laughs> I'm basically just saying that her agility at one and three, basically getting taken to the woodshed for three out of her four fights, I think it's basically proving a point that she's going to need to improve a lot if she's going to want to actually have longevity in the sport of MMA. Yeah. But being a one and three fighter, it basically gives you two choices. Either improve and evolve and make yourself a better fighter or take one more loss and go ahead and hang them gloves up. Uh, and also... Ain't for you. Yeah, even even talk about her win. That her fight went the distance where she and she basically did all she did was wrestling, just takedowns and top game. But uh, from what I remember, yeah, but you have to admit she was given basically an opponent more her speed and Casey Robb. No yeah. disrespect to her either. Oh yeah, no, that's correct. But I uh, you. I don't want to say that uh, from from what I remember from that fight it was a win she she managed to get a win by not by basically coasting I guess you could say does that make sense right right I get what you mean and that's not going to work against someone like Ishioka at all I can't see that at all happening unless Ishioka is 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 dead tired and like has no idea where she is or something Exactly. Now, on to the next fight. This will be, I mean, this will be a flyweight belt at 57 kilos, 125 pounds, where elbows to the head will be legal. Yay. It'll be Rin Nakai versus Shizuka Shian Sugiyama. Mm. Rin Nakai, 22-1, and one, fighting out of Masuyama Ihime, Japan. Of course, her two losses were losses in the UFC to Misha Tate and Leslie Smith, both via unanimous decision. Mm-hmm. Her opponent, Shizuka Shion Sugiyama, American-Japanese, New York City-born, Nakano, Tokyo, Japan-raised. Uh, yes. And she is 16-5-1. And, and her rising record is at an 0-1, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, rising record is 0-1. If I'm not mistaken, Nakai's rising record is 1-0. So these will be the second fights in rising for both of these women. Yep. Uh, and uh, notable about Suyama, her the, the fight that she lost in her rising debut was against an 0-0 fighter, Kana Watanabe. Um, a fight that I really enjoyed a lot. I thought it was a great fight. Um, especially because I thought Sugiyama was going to win, but, uh, uh, kind of Watanabe, um, out, uh, out, basically out MMA Sugiyama somehow. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, what are your thoughts, I'm curious to know, what do you think about Ring Nakai as a fighter? Uh, other than the fact that she basically, I mean, before she came into the UFC, she basically was... Doing a lot of weird shit when it comes down to putting pancreas over. I think it was at the behest of her husband or something. I don't know. But the point of the matter is, is she... I 
that she basically was padding, was getting her record padded up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. She was basically getting her record padded up. She was basically getting fights fixed for her. Just ask Danielle West and Tara LaRosa. She basically, she basically was just hand-fed opponents on a silver platter. She wasn't really given real competition aside from Danielle West, Brenda Gonzalez, Tara LaRosa, or Sarah DeMonte de Alelio. And I think the same thing has been, I mean, ever since she had that experience in the UFC, losing twice via decision, she's fought basically game competition, even though I wouldn't count. I mean, she's basically fought game competition. She's defeated a boxer in Emiko Raika via elbow. She defeated Charlene Watt of Australia via second round ground and pound. She defeated Kanako Murata, who of course is in the main event. Mm-hmm. No, wait, actually, nope. Kanako's not in the main event. But she defeated a top star, Kanako Murata, as she was rising up the ladder. And most recently, she defeated a Korean jobber. Mm-hmm. But the point of yeah, but the point of the matter is she's improved a lot since being in the UFC, and she's not being hand-fed opponents. Mm. Like I, I also think it's important, important to point. I think it's also important to point out that her two UFC fights were in a weight class that she didn't normally fight in. Uh, she fought in bantamweight in the UFC as well, uh, a pretty undersized bantamweights compared to the rest of the uh, to the rest of the division. Exactly. Um, but the point of the matter is, she's improved. Yes. Since being inside the octagon. I'll say this. Um, yeah. I was there live for her for a fight against uh, Murata, um, and <sighs> until the finish, mostly nothing happened in that match. Unfortunately, it was mm-hmm. it was ba- I don't it was kind of, it was like a glorified staring contest, with, and with some pun with some air punches. Involved, um, but I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know if that was Nikai's doing or Murata's doing or. or uh, but I've always thought that Nikai, uh, I I've always enjoyed her personality and I guess persona more than I have her as a fighter. Mm-hmm. Especially her weigh-in outfits, which can be. Pre- a little too revealing. Uh, I'll say I'll say a little bit a little bit out of the norm for uh for normal uh uh normal dress weigh-ins, um normal normal things you would wear at a weigh-in, um which includes hers. What was it at the Ryzen show? Wasn't it like an S and M outfit that she wore to the weigh-ins? Oh God, it probably was. And I think she had bunny ears as well, or something. It was it looked like it was like a like a very I don't know what it's called, but it looked it like was, one of the, it was bondage. Bondage. Much. That was it. Bondage. Yes. Yeah. Um. I mean, my goodness. She basically. I mean, it felt like the thing was just tightening her body up just to make sure that she came in a little underweight. Yeah. That's actually. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. That's an interesting um, uh, take. Um, regarding the take of who who uh, the Tapology members think will win this fight, I'm actually surprised yes. by the disparity. Yes, but first, but first, when oh. it comes down to Sugiyama, this oh, yes, yes, Sugiyama. 
second fight outside of Ryzen. Her first fight outside of Ryzen since 2000. No, wait, shit. What am I saying? This will be Sugiyama's first fight outside of Deep since the 2009 Girls Shoot Boxing Tournament, August 23, 2009, when she defeated Hitomi Sakamoto via unanimous decision. And to be honest, even though she's a former Deep Jewels middleweight championship challenger, she's had a lot of experience when it comes down to fighting, especially in especially in Deep Jewels and Jewels beforehand, fighting Nagumi Yamashita, Takayo Hashi, and of course defeating Emiko Raika via quick finish. But to be honest, I think that this fight probably is going... I mean, I don't know why the Tabology members are basically saying that Ren Nakai is going to win this fight. 97% are saying that Ren Nakai is going to win this fight, but I have a feeling that an upset might be brewing for Shizuka Sugiyama. I mean, I have a feeling that she's probably going to outmatch Ren Nakai. Uh, yeah, oh, by the way, thank you for, uh, for giving Sue Young's back. I, f- I forgot that I thought we had, but, uh, obviously we didn't. But, uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted because I'm not so, I would almost, would you say that they're both on equal levels when it comes to experience and their, uh, fight backgrounds? Yes. Yes, they are both on equal levels when it comes down to experience, but if you look at Nakai, I think the reason why the people... I think the reason why the people on Tapology say that she's going to win overwhelmingly is because of the fact that Nakai has taken her talents against all comers from all over the world, even though she has had one fight outside of Japan. That was that fight against... I mean, yeah, let me share. That was that fight in her second UFC fight against Leslie Smith in Australia. But, yeah... Ren Nakai's fought all over... Ren Nakai's fought in various promotions around the world. Sugiyama, this will, like I said, this will only be her second fight outside the Jewels, Deep Jewels conglomerate. Mm-hmm. So, maybe that's the reason why they voted to say that Shizu, that Shizuka's gonna lose this fight. But I think that's gonna play out differently. I think that Sugiyama's probably gonna win this fight. Hmm. Usually fight, I... In my experience with fighters who tend to have equal levels of experience and skills, usually I the fight never really goes to a finish. And I'm worried about that this fight might may go that way. I feel like this is going to be a, a decision, a fight that goes distance um, to a decision. Um, as for who? Do you, think it'll probably, do you think it'll probably be a controversial decision? Um... Ideally, I hope not. But if it's good, if if they if they are if, if there's anything that we've seen in the past with uh with decisions anywhere, you know, yeah, the possibility is just as much as it, of it being a controversial uh win decision win as opposed to not being one. Um, I guess um, you know I like Sugiyama, uh, but. I'm only going to go with Nakai just because of the streak that she's on. And I feel like she might... 
I, I feel like she would be a little bit stronger than Sugiyama. And I saw in that Sugiyama match that she had with Wanabi Ryzen, um, which, uh, again, like I said, Wanabi was, was an 0 0 fighter. And Sugiyama at the time was 16 and 4. That's. A 16 and 4, a 16 and 4 fighter shouldn't be losing to an 0 and 0 fighter. And my, and I have to say, I you know, I think I'm gonna have to just go with Nakai, based on the fact that she, uh, she's she's racking up a lot more wins, and also she has more. Uh, you said this will be a Sugiyama's second fight outside Deep Jewel's uh, organization. Yeah, this will be her second fight outside of Deep Jewels. Did she uh did she lose the other uh fight that she didn't have in Deep in Deep Jewels? Uh, I think she might have lost that fight. Uh, I think. Let me go ahead and try and check a little bit because. No, actually, I think. Eh, what am I saying? Sugiyama's on a four-fight winning streak. She has not lost. Lost a fight since no, she has not lost a fight since the Deep Jewels middleweight title fight against Takayo Hashi back on February 16, 2014. So yeah, you can basically say they're on equal levels when it comes down to actual fighting caliber. But like you chose, like you went with the majority and say that Nakai's gonna win. I'm in the minority, so to speak. And I think that Sugiyama's probably gonna pull off the upset. Mm-hmm. Regardless though, I don't I don't think I don't think it's gonna this fight will have a finish. I don't think it'll it'll be that. I don't know what your thoughts on that. Uh do you think this could be a uh, fight that has a finish? Hey, I think it probably I mean, if it does have a finish it'll be surprising. But I won't be surprised if it goes to a decision or ends in a draw either. Now uh Regarding the next match, which I hope does not go to distance, because I have a lot to say about this fight, we have an open weight match uh, between two heavyweights, uh, Shoma Shiba- Shibiasi, Shibasai, uh, excuse me, excuse me, Shoma. Go ahead and handle those names for you. Please do, please you do. Got, you got Deep Veteran and Ganryu Jima Veteran. Shoma Shibisai. Shibisai, thank you. He's six foot three, two hundred thirty pounds, fighting out of the Honey Trap Camp. His opponent, whose name I probably mess up sometimes, also Bolpurev Unorjabal. He is a former Mongolian amateur. He's a former Mongolian amateur judo competitor. And a former World Cup of Judo bronze medalist, 6'2", somewhere in the neighborhood of about 260 to 70, age 30. He had one amateur fight defeating David Sands at a University of MMA show back in March of 2014 in Santa Monica, California. And he was most recent, and even though he represents Mongolian top team and team of Sohoryu, he basically has trained more recently with Josh Barnett at the UWF USA camp in Huntington Beach. Um, now this fight was, was, I believe it was announced this week. 
just this past week, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, not even, not even a few days ago, really. Yeah, I was trying, and you know, because usually the the fight cards usually Ryzen has ten, eleven, twelve fights, and you know, one of the things I did notice when the card before this week, before this past week, was that there was no heavyweights in the card, which was I was really surprised about. So I guess this is the te- technically the heavyweight, um, the closest thing to a heavyweight match on the card since there's no other, there's no other he- heavyweights on the card, which I was really surprised about. Um, now what? Now, uh, Shibisai, his record is at four uh, one, but like you said, he's undefeated in and uh, Gan Ganrujima, is that how pronounced? Ganrujima. Ganrujima. Which I've been meaning to watch because I love the concept of, of having fights on on an island on a mat. That's basically what it is, right? Well, yeah. Basically, basically when it comes down to these fights, they tend to use the sumo element a lot. Even though when it comes down to the sumo element, the only sumo element is you don't get pushed out of the ring. Hmm. You basically have to fight your way to stay in that ring or fight your way to, you know, not get embarrassed. Yeah. Um, now, his opponent, Bol Pirev, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, you, yeah, it's best if you say Bol Pirev instead Bo- of the other name. Yes. Because it's hard to pronounce, even if you're pronouncing it correctly. Like you said, he, he's, he is from Mongolia. Uh, part of team uh, 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 of Mongolian top team. Mm-hmm. He has a record, an incredible record of zero and zero. Yeah, therefore he will be making his professional debut. Now hold on. Now I have to say something about that. So yes, he does have an amateur record of one and zero. So I wanted to find out more about uh, Mr. Bull, Mr. Bull Pirev. He apparently did have an MMA fight. That's not listed on his record, and I don't know why. Uh, Road FC, Aori Gell. You know the fighter Aori Gell? Aori Gell, Aori Gell, yes. They had an MMA match at some Chinese organiz- uh, mixed martial arts organization. Oh, Lord. And it- you know in China, we always know that their results are pretty much unknown. Yep, and um, I can tell you that... Uh, you can find this, it's on YouTube. It's actually on, on Bol Pirev's personal YouTube channel, if that if I'm reading the name correctly, because it is exactly his name, that's the name of the account. Oh, and, wow, really? Yep. And he, of course, lost a fight to, uh, to Aurori Gelly by knockout. Um, and... There's two other, he has two other, uh, three other videos. One is an interview, which I don't understand because I don't understand Mongolian or Chinese. The other two are from a jiu-jitsu competition. Uh, one where he fought, and I, I believe in the heavyweight division of, of, the, of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, uh, tournament. Uh, by the way, he's a blue belt. Um, unless my eyes are tri- playing tricks on me, I bl- he looks like he's a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, I don't know... I don't know the outcome of, of the heavyweight match because it cuts off before the the match actually uh, comes to a decision win. But he was winning the match. Um, not out of skill, I'll say, but more because I think that he was the heavier guy than his opponents. Now, the other match, 
the other match is also a Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu match. Um, I believe for the same, um, the same at the same day, or at least for the uh, at the uh, it had to be for the same on the same weekend. So yeah, to speak. yeah, uh, and it was open weight because the guy he faced was probably a tenth of, of his body weight, uh-huh. <laughs> and Bo Pirev lost the match. Oh wow! No surprise there. But 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 it wasn't by submission or by points. It was by disqualification. Wow! Really? He picked up his opponent and slammed him. He picked up his opponent above the, above his belt and slammed him down. Oh right, yeah, that's a big no no. Yes. In now here's the thing: the way that he slammed, he picked up his opponent. I don't know how to read this. It wasn't like he was in a triangle and he went and he it was a Rampage Jackson powerbomb. The way, he basically was he basically had has opponents back and was holding his his arms under. He basically ha, was holding his opponents his arms under his opponent. So like he it was almost it was he was grabbing his opponent his opponent's arms under. His, do you do you understand the picture I'm painting? So basically, he slammed him down like a rag doll. Is what you're trying to say? He picked up his opponent and like, like, like inside out, uh, turned him inside out while while slamming him down. So like, his opponent was was in a tabletop position, and uh, Bolpirev, who was obviously the bigger guy, pulled him up so high that his opponent went went the op went. Almost did like a forward, a a a a, a pickup forward roll, while being picked oh. up. I'm trying to it's like it's something you would see in a wrestling match, like in, in a pro wrestling match, and I don't know what to call it, what to describe it as, but it was just so fascinating because I've never seen anybody ever do that in a jiu-jitsu tournament. Was it a gut wrench down power bomb he was trying to go for? It was it, it no, it wasn't even like that. It, it was um. Uh, you ever watch like Z- Zack Saber Jr.? Oh yeah, you ever see Zack Saber Jr. do those 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 old style you know British wrestling holds where or, or, or yeah, transitions? Those yes, yeah, it was like it was like that where he pulled his opponents where, where he pulled his opponents arms like he was almost going for like like a submission of some kind or a pin, but the force was so was so big he actually picked up his opponent. When he pulled them, and it happened to be above his belt. Wow, that's that's crazy. To be honest, with I'm so sorry it took so long to describe it, but like I just I was so perplexed and fascinated. Not only that he put a video of himself being disqualified on his YouTube channel, but also that I've never seen something like that ever done in Jiu-Jitsu tournament ever. Wow, that is crazy. So when it comes down to bull perhaps. This isn't actually, I mean, was the fight against Aubrey Gelly a professional fight by any chance, or that, was it amateur? I would, I only, I have to guess it was amateur. Uh, well, I don't really like, I don't know if we're, the, the line between amateur and professional in China is probably, <laughs> I don't know what that, that line is, but it was definitely, it was, a, they, they had ring girls, they had, it was, it was, it looked like it was sanctioned, they had music, uh. they had announcers. It looked like it was a pro MMA match. So basically, he's probably zero and one as a professional. Uh, yeah, I don't know why this fight is, has been, has 
is not on on either of their records though. I'm at it's it's you can just it's you don't have to go through any Chinese YouTube sites or anything. You can easily find it on YouTube looking up uh, Bolperev by his name. It's the first thing that comes mm-hmm. up. But alas, Chinese MMA is pretty much the land of the lost. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But um, I'm also down to the topology. When it comes down to the topology masses, they basically see right through that because they know that Bolperev, even though he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu blue belt, mm-hmm. he doesn't really have much experience when it comes down to MMA fighting, aside from the David Sands fight. And the Arrigelli fight, which are both on YouTube under Bolt Perev's YouTube channel, the University of MMA YouTube channel. But I have to agree with them. I think Shibisai is going to win this fight, and I don't think that it's going to reach the distance. Uh, I hope it does not go to distance. There's nothing worse than... Uh, heavyweight fights that go to distance don't tend to be very good, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if you think about it, Chibisai, like I said, the dude's a veteran of Don Ryujima. I mean, even though, yeah, he hasn't had an MMA fight since no, since December of 2016 and is on a three-fight winning streak, he's been tearing it up in Don Ryujima, defeating Honshu Biwako via, get, I mean, via ring out three times. Defeating Jeno Kusunoki via first round knockout and defeating world class kickboxer Brian Dewis via ground and pound knockout. Yep. Um, the other thing I'm also worried about is, um, as you said, um, Bullprev is part of Team Asahoryo. That's, that's how you pronounce it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Asahoryo. Asahoryo, who is a famous uh, Mongolian uh, sumo fighter. But I th- uh, he's retired now. He's retired now. And, um... Asa Horyu, he had, a, he had a fighter on another Ryzen show that was probably one of the worst fights I've ever seen. Uh, Batarin Askovan. Yeah, Batarin Askovan. Askovan. And, um... He was defeated by Hiroki Takaya uh, uh, in, in a decision match that was, honestly, it was... It was a sh- it was a garbage fight, and if you ever seen the Rising Confessions video, um, uh, Asahoryo basically tears into Batarin, something fierce. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think I remember that fight when yeah. Street Fight Bancho tore into Batarin. Yes, yeah, and um, one of the, I if I'm going if we're gonna there's any indication that he that since Bullprev is with uh. Team Asahoyu. Um I will hope that he does not fight like his, like his his fighting uh, stablemates. But regardless, yeah. barring that, uh, Shibisai, I think by knockouts. Yeah. I I don't. Knockouts, pretty much accurate. I don't think the weight, the weight, the thirty pound weight difference will have any any sort of di- uh, uh, any. I don't think he'll play in, play in unless Bolperev sits on uh, Shibisai, um, which um, hopefully won't happen. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. I don't know. What they don't want to give people nightmares watching the show. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, 
I'm I'm kind of this is when I was when I was talking about before how I'm kind of like a little bit perplexed by some of these matches. I'm perplexed by this match. Like, what is? I always try to look at these fights and think like why a fight was made, and I'm trying to figure out why this fight was made. Do you have any any guess as to why Ryzen decided to book this this match? Just one. Because they wanted to throw shit together to see if it sticks. They basically wanted to put this fight on. I mean, obviously, at the last second, even though we're two weeks, I mean, even though we're less than a week out, they basically wanted to put this on just to see if it sticks on and nothing truly bad happens before, during, or after it. It feels like. Someone realized the week before, uh, last week, like, oh shit, we only have nine fights. We always have 10, 11, or 12. Click. Call somebody who you know who's a fighter, and then you call somebody who you know who's a fighter. And then they got, and they got these two. That's what it seems like. If it, 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 this doesn't seem like, I don't see, like, what the logic behind this fight could possibly be. Basically, I mean, basically, they put that fight on just to see if it sticks. Yeah. Like I said, because they know that they lost. They lost out on Andy Sauer when he went to One FC. They lost out on Kai Asakura when he got injured. They just wanted to try and see if it sticks on the fight card, just so that people can actually stick around and watch it. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Oh, by and by the way, uh, uh, if it wasn't mentioned before, this round, this fight will be uh, first round ten minutes, and then the second, uh, second, third rounds five minutes. And if there's any indication, um, I don't, I, if they, if there's no finish by the first five minutes, I, I'm predicting lots of, of gasping, heavy breathing, and standing around to try to survive. Well, actually, actually, according to the actual. Fight listings that mm-hmm. I have up. The fight's gonna be a three-five minute round affair because, of course, these fighters want to save their breathing and their energy. So oh. that they won't have to. Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking yeah, at basically. Basically, he's not gonna make it past round one. Let's just be real. Well, let's hope. <laughs> I, I'm actually. I'm looking at the topology. The topology. Um, card and that, and it said that there was it was first round ten minutes and the second 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 and third rounds were five minutes. Uh, are you looking? I understand what you mean, but I have the exact fight listings that Nobuyuki Sakaki Barra tweeted out. Okay, yeah, th- that, that's that's hopefully yeah, more accurate. It's going to be three five minute rounds under special rules, whatever those are. No elbows, of course. <laughs> no elbows. Oh, uh, but oh uh, yeah, like I said, you know, ho- hopefully first round finish by Shibisai. If it goes beyond that. It's going to be a long night. It'll be a long yeah. fucking night. It's uh, going to be a long, desperate fight. I probably might end up falling asleep watching it if it goes past round one. I hope it, I, I, I hope it got it doesn't. But uh, uh, barring that, we're going to talk about that fight. Uh, t- uh, Christian, uh, talk about the next fight. Oh, yes. The fight that everybody should have. Have 
Former Ultimate Fighter winner, Diego D.B. Brandao. Of course, Satoru Kitaoka. We all know him as the guy that basically had trouble fighting great fighters on New Year's Eve. And I'm trying to look at their records. Give me a second. I'm just throwing shit together. No, that's but still, Kitaoka, he's probably... And it's Kitaoka, K-I-T-A-O-K-A, not Kitakawa. Somebody need to tell Joe Ferraro that. <laughs> but still, Kitaoka, <laughs> let's see here. Da, 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 5'10", 154 pounds, fighting out of Shinjuku, Tokyo. Shinjuku, Indo, Tokyo, Japan, representing Lotus. He is a judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor. I mean, he is a judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. Brandao, 5'7", 153 pounds, originally from Fortaleza, Santa Brasil, now fighting out of Jackson, Winklejohn, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, when did he change? Uh, when did he change camps? I didn't even know that. Uh, I think he changed camps prior to his second or third Fight Nights Global I mean, contest. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, and just. Just for uh, Brandau, he's making. But yeah, as far as Brandau, he's making his rising debut. Obviously, mm -hmm. as far as Kitaoka, he is fighting his fourth rising fight. He defeated Darren Krukshank, as everybody knows, mm -hmm. via guillotine choke. Even though Krukshank called Kitaoka a slippery back prick, <laughs> then he lost to Yusuke Yachi and Kichi Strasa Kunimoto. But he bounced back with a heel hook submission victory over Talasapa, a Ukrainian, I mean, a Ukrainian fighter who's basically got his whole career ahead of him. Um, also, I would just like to uh, 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 state that uh, Kitaoka, I think, is the weirdest looking MMA fighter in the entire world. Um, I, will, I will never retract that statement because he just, he's always looking, he's... He just looks like a weird human being. He looks like a Frankenstein monster uh, compilation. <laughs> well, he's a... I mean, to be honest, I think he's probably a Ganguro boy. I mean, he probably has been spending more time in the tanning room, no disrespect. Oh, no, the tan enhances also that, that look as well. I mean, if he didn't have the tan, his... And the, the, the weird misshapen teeth and the, and the disgusting cauliflower ears... And just, I guess, I guess also just the years of getting his face pummeled in, you know, it, de it, it definitely, it definitely, it's, it's made his face into a, into a weird, monstrous Frankenstein-like looking monster. Yeah, but he's getting over because of it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, now, uh, well, this, uh, is this, uh, what, um... What are, they gonna, are there any special rules or anything for, about this? Uh, Elbows to the head are allowed. That's good. Uh, five minutes, three rounds. And also it'll be a three five-minute round fight good. at 70 kilos or 155 pounds. Now, I just want, I want to ask you about that. Brandau is normally a featherweight fighter. I, don't, I can't remember him ever fighting at, at, at lightweight. Because of the fact that he was in the UFC as a featherweight. Yes. I mean, he had a good UFC record, obviously. And let me check and see. Uh, 
he might be most well known for actually having one of Conor McGregor's first big matches uh, before uh, yes. a pre-gate uh, throwing Conor McGregor. Yeah, he had a five and four UFC record. Unfortunately, got into legal issues and basically questioned his status of living in the U.S. So he left. I mean, he got fired from the UFC in February of 2016. He ended up going to Russia. He ended up <laughs> fighting three fights in Russia, defeating Murat Machia. Murat Machayev via triangle arm, helicopter triangle arm bar, <laughs> while in UFC gear, no less. <laughs> As everybody remembers, he defeated Machayev via second round helicopter triangle arm bar, then defeated Veneer Galliev via knockout, and then, obviously, in a fight that basically left a lot of people guessing what the hell happened, he fought... Ahmed Aliyev, he basically, I mean, it was basically a good fight up until the 3 minute and 44 second mark of round number two, where he basically did not like a call that the referee was giving out, and he just left the cage in disappointment. Uh, you've seen that fight before, right? No, uh, I've, I've seen the fight in bits and pieces. I heard the fight. I heard of the fight. And I know that he basically got disqualified for leaving the cage. He yes. actually forfeited the bout. So I I rewatched that match because I remember I remember it happening. Uh, you know, last year whenever it happened, but uh, I rewatched it for in its, it's, it was it's, September fourth, twenty seventeen. This will be his first fight in almost a year. And uh, basically, what happened during that fight was his opponent was headbutting him while. While uh, Brando had his had his guard was it what well, well, had had been his guard and he was looking at the referee like you gonna stop this you gonna stop this the referee did eventually separate the two but by that time Brand, uh, Diego Brando was already pissed off and so when the referee separated them he up kicked um, he up kicked Aliyev and then the referee was yelling at at him and I guess Brando just said fuck this shit I'm out left the uh, open the cage. Left and never returned back to Russia. Yeah, but was that a legal up kick though? No, no. The referee, I, 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 I think, called a timeout. He called a timeout because because oh. he saw that the that the Russian fighter was headbutting him. But here's the thing: it was like three or four headbutts. It, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't have. It shouldn't have even been one headbutt. And, and so, I mean, come to think of it, we all know in the unified rules, you can't do headbutts, you can't do 12-6 elbows. Exactly. But also, we have to remember, like, with China, Russia is also, uh, has its own, uh, outlaw MMA styles. Um, as you... Oh, yeah. Evidence, Very ass backwards. If you, if you ever want to see a fight where, where, where bullshit, uh, Russian judges are, are scoring cards, watch the Fabio Maldonado... Fedor uh, match. Yes, great example. Great example. Or watch the Antonio Silva versus Ivan Shirty call. Oh yes, oh yes, that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, luckily we're not in Russia. We're in Japan, and we have uh, Kitaoka with a record forty-one wins, sixteen losses, nine 
uh, draws and or no contests, I believe, right? Is that nine? Yeah, nine draws, no no contests. Okay, uh, and Diego Brandao from Brazil, 22-12. and 12. Um, mm-hmm. Very interesting matchup. Very interesting. Um, it's very interesting because I think both of these two, they, both of these two are obviously Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitors. I mean, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu style competitors. Obviously, Brandao being from Brazil. Mm-hmm. And Kita Oka know of the. I mean, Kita Oka has learned the style and infused that with his judo game. But to be honest, I have to go with the overwhelming majority on topology. They're basically saying eighty-eight percent that Brandao's going to win, and I think that I might have to agree with them because if Brandao can pull off another helicopter triangle armbar, that would be so sweet. Also, you know, I also you have to also figure in Brandao has wins by knockout. Yes, Kitaoka, can you believe this? Forty-one wins, but not one of them is a knockout. Damn! How yeah. many submissions and how many decisions has he had? Uh, I would. Uh, Jesus. Uh, well, I'm gonna get his his submissions has to be at least over over twenty. I have to guess. Um. Decisions is probably probably about the same. I'm gonna guess. Let's see. We have 20 wins by submission, 21 by decision. So just one, just one more uh, by decision. But still, nonetheless, wow. 20 submission wins, but not one knockout. And I am, I am so that that boggles my mind. Uh, that someone with that that many MMA fights. And that many wins does not have even a knockout on his resume, but Brandao mm-hmm. does, and I think that's a big a big factor that's going to be in in this match is that Brandao can knock out Kitaoka even at one fifty five, even at, at lightweight. But if that's the case, if that's the case, I got Brandao winning. But I mean, I have Brandao winning via first or second round stoppage. But if it's either a arm bar, a, tri- a helicopter triangle arm bar, or a flash KO, I would not be surprised. I would just be, you know, standing up in amazement, basically looking at the greatness of Diego Brandel. Now, do you think the weight, uh, him going up a weight class, will may- will have an effect on at all in this fight? No, it won't. It won't, because he's, I mean, like you said, he gave Conor McGregor his push, so to speak. He put him over. Yep, yep, he did. So you would have to think that Brandau, after fighting his last three fights in Russia, he would basically know how to adapt himself as a lightweight competitor. Mm -hmm. But also, uh, like you said, uh, it's been almost, this fight is almost a year to his last match. Which happened in September of 2017, and mm-hmm. now that's a long layoff. I mean, hopefully he's been training and didn't. Uh, hopefully he's not going up the lightweight because he just decided to get out of shape <laughs> in between uh, in between uh, that time. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I would just I would have to go with with Brandau based on 
uh, that I think he's much more well rounded well rounded than, than Kitaoka, but that I don't know that one that almost one year layoff kind of a uh, I don't know that's almost suspect. I feel like. Mm-hmm. But, but still, I hope Brandel gets the finish because you know a lot of people are going to want to see him do some serious damage to Kitaoka, not disrespectful to his look or his outlook. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think Kitoka's going to be made even more uglier. <laughs> well, hope, hopefully, if it does, if it, if, if, uh, hopefully nothing illegal or no rule-breaking happens in the ring and then Brandau leaves uh, the ring and walks back uh, to the locker room. Hopefully that won't happen. Yeah, hopefully that won't happen either because the last thing Brandau needs is another controversial finish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But speaking of controversial... Oh, very controversial. This next match has me wondering, and pardon my language, but this match has me wondering why the fuck it's even on. <laughs> Takanoi, the fireball kid Takanoi Gomi, the long-time pride lightweight world champion, Versus the anything but young assassin Melvin Gilliard. Now, first of all, the specifics. Gomi, 5'8", 156 pounds. Rascal, age 39, fighting out of Kugayama Rascal Gym in Tokyo, Japan. He is 35-15 with one no contest. Gilliard, originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, USA, now fighting out of Denver, Colorado. He is, well, he's 5'9", and he last weighed in at 178.1 pounds, mm. age 35. But still. With a record of 32, 20, and 2. Yeah. Uh, also, it should be noted, both of them are on a losing streak. Well, actually, Gilliard has a record of 32, 20, Two and three, as far as the three no contests. Oh, okay, I wonder why are those co- no contests? So I just wanted to uh-huh. want to ask: uh, Are those no contests at all related to uh, possibly weight issues? Yes. Yes, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. What are you gonna say about Gomi? But my goodness. Gomi, no disrespect to him, he is a bona fide legend. However, his time in the UFC pretty much killed off his momentum. He was three and six in the octagon. Three and fucking six inside the octagon, and he's currently riding a Eight fight winless streak. No, it's actually a six fight losing streak. Oh my god! I love to say eight. Or you? I was like, wow! I didn't even know. I. I, I mean, I was trying not to include the no contest. I mean, the fights that he had with Tomohiro Yamazaki and Hayato Mahasakurai, but those were exhibitions. Oh, okay. This dude has a six fight losing streak, and. In each of those six fights, he's lost in the first round. Yes. Um, Five of them via knock. I mean, four of them via knockout. Two of them via submission, including his last submission 
submission victory. I mean, including his last submission loss to Yusuke Yachi. This dude has not had a victory since April 26, 2014, when he defeated Isaac Valley Flag. Now, criminal Isaac Valley Flag and UFC 172. Jesus, I didn't even know it was that far. Wow. Oh, it gets worse for Gilliard. The dude hasn't had a victory since WSOF 11 when he defeated Jazz's Jay-Z Cavacante back at WSOF 11 via second round TKO knees and punches on July 5th, 2014. It was the same fight card where Nick Newell lost to Justin Gaethje for the WSOF lightweight title. But for him, it's even worse. I mean, it's even worse. The dude is on an eight-fight winless streak. Eight? The dude's lost seven fights. The dude's lost seven out of eight times. He originally defeated David Caveman Rickles in Bellator 159 via elbow and punches, but that got overturned by the athletic commission that was overseeing the fight. Okay. Well, in my, in my book, you know, if the if you if the, if you break the unified whatever rules of the, of that athletic commission and they retract your win, it's to me it, it doesn't count. So it's, he didn't he has had no win since uh my God, is it, does his record was his last win in a UFC match? I can't believe it was. No, his last win was in the WSOF. Okay. But other than that, he's lost. Via unanimous decision, I mean, he's lost via split decision, unanimous decision, and of course, knockout. So, I, I mean, guess... Seriously, he's on a eight-fight, he's on an eight-fight winless streak, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And his last fight, he lost to Maurice, I mean, he lost to Maurice Jackson in the Superior Combat League out in Denver, Colorado. Maurice Jackson is a guy fighting out of Chicago by way of Jackson, Winklejohn, and Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he lost to him in the second round via knockout, one minute, 50 seconds, and what looked like the lazy fight on Gil Yard's part. Did he make weight for that match? Uh, let me check. Yes, it was a middleweight fight. What? Oh, great. Oh, middleweight. Oh, okay. That, oh, okay. Phew. I thought it was, it was actually going to be at a weight that he used to, that he normally competed at. But yes, also, talking about weight, this fight, is this fight technically catch weight? Yes, it is. Okay. It is at a 173 kilos or 160 pounds. Gil has fought... I mean, Gilliard obviously fought as a middleweight in his last few fights, including losses to Israel Adesanya and Muslim Salikov, where he was made silly into a highlight reel. Um, time, of course. Okay, so we got two fighters who were on losing streaks, not necessarily by decisions, but by finishes. We got one guy yes. who struggles to make weight at lightweight and at welterweight and is now a a a incredibly undersized middleweight. We have we have um, and that's Gilliard, for those wondering. And we have Gomi who you know who 
he has his all of his, all of his losses have been in the first round, and the, the, it's been it's all been knockout and submission. With the most recent being submission by Yachi, which in fairness, yeah, I'll say Gomi did rock Yachi, but again, but again, you know, Gomi's lack of defense when it comes to submissions, you know, played into uh, that 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 finish. Um, but I guess the big question, well, there's two questions. One, does Gilliard make this weight? And two, why is this fight happening? Uh, let me go ahead and answer number two first. Why the hell is this fight happening? It's because, I mean, to be honest, I don't know. But the fight was supposed to have been Takanori Gomi versus Andy Sauer. However, Andy Sauer is now a competitor for 1FC, and that obviously irated Nobuyuki Sakakibara, the boss of Ryzen. Because, to be honest, this was supposed to be a fight that was supposed to best fit both competitors, both Gomi and Sauer, because, of course, Sauer hasn't really had the best of luck in MMA so far, and Gomi, obviously needs to shed off of, I mean, needs to shed a win off of somebody in order to shield the retirement rumors for another day, but still, that fight would have probably been a hell of a lot more pleasing than this one. I agree. Now, as far as the overall contingency, they are basically saying that Gilliard is going to win 57 to 43, which to them, I ask, what the fuck is their problem? I mean, because we all know that Gilliard's biggest problem is his weight. He's fought at 185 pounds more recently in the last few fights and gotten his ass handed to him in every single... Well, actually, he's fought twice at 185 pounds and got his ass kicked in both fights. But this is gonna be a fight drop. This is gonna be a fight where he's gonna have to drop 15 pounds in order to make weight. And I think the only way this fight is gonna happen, and I think the way in is set for late Friday, early late Friday night, early Saturday morning, if I'm not mistaken. They're probably gonna stream the fight. I mean, they're probably gonna stream the way in on Facebook and YouTube, or Facebook and Periscope. But the only way this fight happens, truly, truly, is if Gilliard makes weight. Because I know weight problems have been an issue for his. I know that making it to 160 for him probably isn't easy. But I really hope that he makes weight. Because if not, then he's going to have to basically start the fight off for the deduction, then if he does end up somehow winning the fight, as we've seen with fighters before the rising, like Felipe Efrain and now UFC signee Kai France, if you make, if you miss weight, you're not going to win the fight. It's going to be overturned into a no contest, and you're not going to be fighting for rising anymore. I agree. I, I, I wish all, all, uh, I wish they could do that here. I wish they would really do that here. That would be a great way to stop people from missing the weight, but uh, like you said, um, if G- if Gilard does not make weight, then what the, f- I'll even tell, I'll even tell you this, so 
Uh, uh, Rise and Confession number video number fifteen. Uh, they do talk to Gomi, uh, and they do ask him. They do talk about him about about Andy Sauer pulling out, and he's very pissed off about it. He was very upset about it. Um, and um, he does say that you know he did bring up that him and, and Giard were in the UFC at the same time, which I'm actually kind of surprised that the two's paths never crossed um, while in UFC, but. Um, yeah, Golmi was, is just as much pissed off that the, that Andy Sauer, uh, jumped ship just as much as we are. Just as much as Nobuyuki Sakaki Bar was. Especially, especially him of all people. Um, I mean, I, I'm speechless on what to say about this fight because I don't want it to happen. And I don't really want to pick a winner, but obviously that can't. I, I obviously have to pick somebody, but I don't want this fight happening. Like this is, I think this is. It's funny when people say, "Oh, we don't want to see Gabby Garcia fight grandmas." I love seeing that stuff, but I don't want to see Gomi and Gillard just because there's so many factors into that can happen in this match that I am not happy with. Gillard missing weight, obviously, but also the law. This losing streak. That that goes above, uh, their combined losing streaks over ten, over a dozen, and that's that that's that is impressive. That is quite impressive, um, and and both of those guys, let's be real, have not won fights in the last four years. Exactly, the last four years, even though months apart, they have not won a fight since twenty fourteen. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess you know this the the way that this fight can be good. You know, it starts out if Giard makes weight. You know, I guess that's how it that's that's one good way to start off. But like, I, him making weight is more like it, it, I have to see it to believe it. When he's on the scale, and then uh, the the people at the weigh in say he weighs in at one sixty one, is then things will be maybe less. I'll I'll maybe look forward more to this fight, but as of right now, you know, I'm not looking forward to this fight. Whether Gillard or Gomi wins, you know, whatever. You know, I, I Gomi by knockout in the first round. I really don't have any anything much more to say about this this fight that I'm not looking forward to as of now. You know what? I might have to say it. I hope I hope Gomi wins too, but. To be honest, if it does make it past round one, God help us all. I think that we probably might be in for something really, really strange. Yes, yeah. And well, here's here's the thing: if you pick Giwa to win, but he doesn't doesn't make weight, then basically, you know, you basically pick you 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 lose by by automatic decision anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why the 57% of people are basically choosing Gilliard to win, knowing that if he screws up on the scales, it's going to be a no contest. Uh, it's, this is, yeah, this, uh, I think this is one, this is the only fight I can think of. <laughs> no, the, the Bob Sapp and, um, and Akebono shoot boxing match, I guess, is one of them. One of the other ones, but definitely this match is it, it had me scratching my head uh, when they announced Gillard uh, was announced. 
I, yeah, it has me more than scratching my head. It has me shaking my head. Yeah, shake, so slap my head, shake my head, scratch my head. Um, you know what? If Gior, if Gior takes it seriously, then you know what? I'll be happy to eat my words and say, you know what? I was wrong. Welcome back to Ryzen. But unfortunately, I have to go by what history says. And Gior does not have a good history when it comes to making weight and putting his effort into fights at this at this stage of his career. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them do really. I think more. I think Gomi still has it in him. The problem is that. All those years of wear and tear make him so incredibly susceptible to knockouts so easily and just being finished. I I saw yeah, I did see a lot in that in that Yache fight, which were that was the old Gomi. That that fight reminded me of the old Gomi from the Pride Pride days. But also just like the old Pride days, it reminded me that oh, as soon as you get him, in, you can easily get him in a submission. When he's in your guard. <laughs> yeah, but he was undefeated in pride. That's the difference. He was almost, or probably was, undefeated in pride FC. He was unstoppable in that era. Nowadays, he obviously is not. But, I do think that glimpses of the old Gomi will show in that Gilliard fight at as long as Gilliard makes weight. And really, you can't talk about the fight until he actually makes weight. So I don't want to say we're wasting our breath, but we kind of are. Yeah. But, you know, the weigh-ins are late Friday night, early Saturday morning. I think they'll be at around 1 or 2 a.m. my time, which is 2 or 3 a.m. your time. So... We'll see what happens. Yes, yes, hopefully. Hopefully he makes weight, that's all I can say. Now, as far as the tri-main event is concerned, we have Ryzen, I mean, former Ryzen Openweight Grand Prix finalist, Yuri Denisha Pohaska versus Bruno Onike Capelosa. Pohaska, obviously a bodybuilder by trade, 6'4", 203.7 pounds, age 25, fighting out of Holster DC in the Czech Republic. He is currently on a four-fight tear, and he has a rising record of 5-1. and one. His opponent, Capelosa, the current jungle fight light heavyweight champion, 6'2", 218 pounds from Jao, Sao Paulo, Brasil. He has not had a rising fight since the first rising card back on December 29, 2015, when he got knocked out of the heavyweight grand, I mean the openweight Grand Prix by Theodoris Oxtuois, the Lithuanian werewolf, that is. And uh, what, what will this, uh, uh, what are the uh, rounds and uh, any special rules for this fight? It is going to be a pride rules type of fight. Ah, beautiful. One 10-minute round, two, I mean, the first round 10 minutes, the second round five, and elbows to the head are... Legal? Yes. Excellent. Beautiful. Um, I was personified. Now, uh, for those that... I hope Prohaska wins this fight. And to be honest, let me check the rising... Oh, 
Basically, the words out of my mouth. Prohaska is going to win this by knockout, probably in the first. I don't. Oh, yes. I don't see what unless unless Prokaska breaks his leg getting into the ring, or it, uh, just somehow gets into a heel hook by, by Capaloza. I don't see how this goes any other way. <laughs> it's a yeah. sip, It's as simple as that. But uh, we got. Think about it. If you look at his if you look at his rising record, aside from the one loss he had against King Mo, like I said, he's five and one in a rising ring. Yeah, and he had a. Uh, I mean, he like I said, he's five and one in a rising ring. Mm-hmm. Four of his five wins have been by way of some form of knockout. He TKO Satoshi Ishii's dreams with knees. He made Vadim Nimkar quit. He TKO Kazuyuki Old Iron Head Fujita. Mm-hmm. And he knocked out Carl Albrechtson back on December 29th of the last year, 2017, with standing punches three seconds before that first round ended. <laughs> I guess if you want if you want to make a silver lining that the Albrechtson fight, he was losing at first. He did lo- he was losing the fight at first. But then he came back. Um, and the King Mo loss. Uh, you know, King Mo is a hard puncher. Nothing, there's nothing. Can't, uh, I can't, he's a hard puncher, you know. He, he'll he knock out people uh, at light heavyweight and at middleweight. And uh, I'm pretty sure if he, if the fight could go beyond uh, nine seconds, heavyweight as well. Or middleweight. Oh yes, or middleweight as well. Um... But uh, regarding this fight, I am 100% sure this was supposed to be Prokoska versus Krokop. Oh. It would have been been if only Krokop would have never injured himself prior to training for that Bellator fight he was supposed to have had against Roy Nelson. While while Ryzen didn't specifically outright, I don't think they outright said it was supposed to be that. They more or less implied it, it seemed like. At, at when they had their press conference announcing this uh, match for this card. Um, and I'll be honest, uh, since I will be going to Japan, and I will be watch, attending this show, I was incredibly looking forward to Krokop uh, fighting. Unfortunately, um, I won't have that opportunity. But uh, hopefully, uh, uh, Protoska can uh, do his best Krokop impression and uh, knock out uh, Capaloza in the first. He probably will, because I don't see this fight going past the first five minutes of that ten-minute round. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding that Krokop fight, I guess they'll have to wait until the end of the year to uh, to do that might that fight, because I think that's that's a fight they definitely want to do, uh, Prochaska and Krokop. Either that, or they're probably going to push it up to next year, because you know because of the injury that Krokop suffered. He basically just earned himself like a few extra months of time to prepare for a proper retirement. Yes, he did. He not absolutely did. On, not just on the New Year's show, but 
proper retirement at like the first or second quarter of 2019. <laughs> yep, no, I, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, but if we're going to talk about retirement, um, uh, we can, I could definitely tell the next two fighters are probably nowhere near retiring. Uh, you want to take it from uh, here, Christian? Of course. It's a rematch that has been, I mean, let me go ahead and check first. I mean, to end off what I was trying to say about the Prohaska fight, I I mean, I think that was the quickest review of a fight we had. (laughs) But, you know, I just hope that Prohaska wins via early first-round knockout. That's no joke about that. Same here. But, yeah, this fight, this co-main event, the co-main event of this rising card is a fight that is... Uh, a fight that is five years in the making. In the first fight between these two, Kyoji Horiguchi defeated Hiromasa Ogikubo via second round rear naked choke for the Shuto Bantamweight Championship. Now here we are, five years later, and these two are going at it once again. Kyoji, the supernova Horiguchi, Versus Hiromasa Okikubo. Horiguchi, 5'4", 133.9 pounds with a 66-inch reach. Age 27, originally from Takasaki, Gunma, Japan, fighting out of American top team in Coconut Creek, Florida. His opponent, Okikubo, Ultimate Fighter 24 veteran, former Shudo Bantamweight champion. He is 5'3", 125.5 pounds, age 31. Originally from Kuji Iwate, now fighting out of Masudo, Chiba, Japan, and Paresta Masudo. Okikubo, 17-3-2. Horiguchi, 24-2. Your thoughts, sir? Well, when I was talking about fights I'm not looking forward to, this is one of those matches that I'm not looking forward to. And I'm going to explain. I was... I am... Dumbfounded as to why this match is happening. Because I see the only only person who has anything to gain from this match is Ogikubo. Horiguchi has nothing to gain from this from this match if he wins. Oh, right. Um, if they wanted to do a rematch, and I know obviously they can't do it now, I, Mazakatsu Ueda, who just retired this year, um, I believe, uh, thir- I think he just, I think he retired at the age of 32, uh, from MMA. I would have at least liked to have seen a rematch like that, considering that's only Horiguchi, oh, Horiguchi's only other loss besides to, uh, Mighty Mouse Demetrius Johnson. I don't, I watched the Ogi Kubo match that they had, um, back in, uh, what was it, 2013, 2014? Yeah, 2013. Okay. It was in March of 2013. And... I watched that match and I saw nothing in that match that made me think, you know what, Ogi Kupo had, had a chance in that match. And I know that he's on a winning streak now, um, but I'm just, this fight, it doesn't sell me on anything uh, as a challenge to Horiguchi. It really doesn't. Uh, I know that's, you know, I'm not, it's not at all intriguing. 
It's not at all making me think, you know what? Horiguchi has a chance to lose this match. If Horiguchi loses this match, then his entire momentum, I think, will be for this uh, supposed uh, kickboxing Grand Prix thing that they that they're maybe doing this year is going to be is going is going to stall. So, and if he wins, but if he wins, you know what? He defeats he defeats somebody who he fought uh, about five years ago, and you know, I just I don't see. I this match does not excite me in the at all in the least. Um, I feel like you disagree with me. Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, because granted, yeah, of course, Hoiguchi is going to be hopefully fighting. So, I mean, fighting in a big, big tournament at the end of the year that'll hopefully see him face off against Tenshin Nasukawa. But if you think about it. This fight is to just keep him busy because... Oh, yeah. No, it absolutely is. In case you haven't forgotten, dude's on a nine-fight women's streak. Yes. Three in the UFC, six in Ryzen. Yes, yes. He's looking to make it number seven after... I mean, he's looking to make it number seven after next weekend. And, of course, he... I mean, we still can't forget the nine-second ass-kicking he gave Ian McCall that gave McCall an ultimatum to retire. Uh, the point of the matter is when it comes down to this particular fight and Ogi Kubo's riding a two-fight winning streak with his most recent win against Oni Bosu back on October 15th of 2017 I mean basically these two men haven't fought each other in five years and like you said, the only person that has anything to gain from this is Ogi Kubo. Because if he wins this, he'll have a chance to avenge one of his few defeats that he uh, one of his few defeats that he has on his record. Uh, other than Eduardo Doodle Dantas, who now fights for the Pro Fighters League. No way nationally he fights for Bellator, but the point of the matter is if Gucci ends up winning this fight, he'll have a wave of momentum going into the rest of the year's events, rising 13 in September or October, and rising 14, obviously, at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that if Gucci ends up winning this fight, and I think that he will, as does... The Tapology fandom. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, they definitely want to see the fight go Hoiguchi's way, but I think if Hoiguchi wins, he's going to have a lot of momentum to carry on into possibly a fight against Tenshin Nasukawa and how the makeup of that kickboxing tournament that they're going to take part in will take place. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the topology contingent agrees. Horiguchi is going to win 98% to 2%. And I think Horiguchi, I mean, seeing the fact this fight is going to be, seeing the fight, seeing the fact that this fight is going to be a fight, oh, of course, one, I mean, first round 10 minutes, second round 5, elbows to the head are allowed. Yeah, I definitely see Horiguchi winning this fight. 
But also, in the first round. I also wanted to say I'm also not happy that this fight is a catch weight. I just I don't like it when matches are made for catch weight unless there's really specific circumstances. Um, it's catch weight because Horiguchi doesn't want to go down to flyweight, but also Okikubo, you know, uh, they're not. It's not. It's it's clearly a middle ground that these two agreed to to have this at the weight that they did at 132 pounds. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I mean. I would have liked to see Horiguchi against maybe an Anthony Burchek or Takafumi Otsuka. Just somebody, just some, just, you know, somebody who, who I think has a chance to beat him. And that's why even I said uh, Ueda before, Masakasu Ueda, because like I said, he's the only person who's defeated Horiguchi besides uh, Demetrius Johnson. But unfortunately, he retired uh, this year. So that match obviously can can't happen. It just I don't feel I feel like there's no I feel like I know the ending to this already, but I'm not excited by the ending. You know what? There's there is one other person I do want to see Horiguchi face off against again, and that would be Ali Bagautinov, who's currently fighting for the supposedly dying ACB Absolute <laughs> Championship Barcruz. <laughs> and if it is true that Bagautino, I mean, it is, if it is true that ACB, ACB MMA pretty much is dying out, I would love to see Bagautino go over to Japan and avenge one of his lone defeats. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that fight in the UFC, I, uh, and it went to a decision. And uh, I know that Hor, you know, Horiguchi uh, did Horiguchi things to him, but you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that rematch. At least I feel like. There's a better of a chance for for him to defeat Horiguchi rather than Okikubo. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm just I'm not excited about the, about this fight at all. And I was when when they announced it, I was kind of like, "What? Really? Okikubo? Oh, also, by the way, um, uh, on the Rise and Confessions video number fourteen, they where they profile Horiguchi and Okikubo. Um, holy shit, poor Okikubo has had a shitload of bad luck. Um, in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, he was he was uh, in the uh, team Benavidez versus team uh, Cejudo. Um, uh, Ultimate Fire season. Um, I forgot. Mm-hmm. I think he made the finals, right? But he lost against um, I'm forgetting the name right Tim now. Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott. That was it. And then Tim Elliott went on to face Demetrius Johnson, and obviously lost to Demetrius Johnson. Uh, right after that happened, Ogi Kubo's wife divorced him. Oh, and apparently took mostly the ki- because of the fact that mostly because of the fact that his wife wanted to see his husband. I mean, wanted to see her husband be successful and bring home that Harley Davidson. Yes, exactly. Um, but apparently, he said that he went from a from a, a three bedroom apartment to a one bedroom apartment, and they showed the apartment that he was Damn. he was staying in, uh, um, uh, where he stays in currently, and it's. Basically, it's a it's a shit apartment, unfortunately, um, and all, yeah, he said that after uh, after his wife divorced him, after he lost the uh, lost in U- uh, the UFC um, uh, uh, Ultimate Fighter finals, he basically was like, he he doesn't say that he wanted to kill himself, but it's certainly I feel in his voice that he wanted that he felt like that he had nowhere else in life to go. 
He was basically going through severe depression. Exactly. Which we're trying to say. Exactly. And even in the video, um, when they asked his teammates what they think about his chances against Horaguchi are, they say that uh, that they don't think that he's going to win. But they'll support him as much as he can so that 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 one per, that one percent chance that that he could possibly beat him. So and um, you know it's, it's actually it's, it's a great powwow between the two of them because they show you know Horiguchi's obviously his long uh, winning streak success and all that stuff. Uh, on the other hand, you have Ogikubo who uh, minus his uh, his two his two uh, fight winning streak hasn't had a lot of luck in the fight uh, fight game. So, yeah, especially seeing the fact that the UFC didn't pick him up. That's a damn shame. Yeah, which was really surprising because even if even a, a, a loss like that, he will, it went to decision, I believe, uh, his uh, loss against uh, Tim Elliott. But even... Uh-huh, uh, like, uh, the, 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 I feel like they have no flyaways, and I kind of just figured that they would hire almost all those flyaways on those cards, but they didn't um, for whatever reason. Remember they did I that. I think they only got select flyweights on that show. Yeah, I remember from that show. I remember when they did the, the strawweight um um uh, Ultimate Fire, and they they signed all of them. They they signed all all of them to contracts after the season was mm-hmm. over. Uh, but yeah, you know Ogi Kubo, you know my, my, uh for the record, I think he's gonna lose first round knockout or submission. Uh, whatever Horiguchi decides to uh that night and uh. You know, but if it goes past the first round, suddenly, do you think that Obi Do you think that Ogi Kubo has a shot? Nope. I have. I, I. The only way I. I think that he has a shot is if Horiguchi uh, uh, lets him win. That's. Right. I don't think that Hor, uh, that Horiguchi. Uh, I hope that Ogi Kubo goes in there to win, regardless. Hope he doesn't think that you know, uh, you know that I'm going to lose. Hope he goes in there to, to win and 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 doesn't have a uh, I'm going to lose mentality. Uh, but I just I can't see Horiguchi losing to Okikubo, even at the stage at the stage of the career that he's in. And if Horiguchi does end up losing to this, I mean, if Horiguchi does end up losing this fight, it might be the upset. Which to him, he probably thinks it's a tune-up fight. Yeah. But if he does end up losing, hey, it'll kill all his momentum. I think it'll, it'll kill a, 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 it'll absolutely kill a good amount of momentum. You know. And hey, you know what? You know, uh, weird, uh, stranger things that happen in MMA. You know what? I thought that Rook Rockhold was gonna was gonna uh, destroy Michael Bisping in the rematch. Totally didn't happen. Uh, Rockhold didn't obviously didn't uh, take it seriously. Bisping uh, sees that opportunity to knock him out. You know what, Horiguchi, you know, I don't think he's the type of fighter to do that, but if Horiguchi, you know, goes in there, you know, too lazy, too uh, too easygoing, he could possibly uh, lose. But I don't think he's going to do that because that's not a Horiguchi thing to do. Um, exactly. But, yeah, you know, uh, if Horiguchi does lose, I think it only hurts him and the, uh, and, 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 what he what he means to Ryzen going forward and to that kickboxing tournament because I think they do want Ryzen does want to have Horiguchi and tension in a kickboxing uh, match with both of them undefeated, uh, uh, or or I should say, yeah, um, a close uh, undefeated in in Ryzen in that tournament. 
Exactly. And seeing the fact that Hoi Gucci is currently undefeated with a 6-0 record in Ryzen, I mean, that's a whole lot of momentum to kill for Ogi Kubo if he does end up miraculously winning this fight. But other than that, I do see Hoi Gucci winning this fight via, no, via first-round finish, early first-round finish. It'll probably be a knockout like how it was for Ian McCall. But well, well, here's a bigger question. Will, will it be more than nine seconds or okay. less than nine seconds? More, obviously. <laughs> well, I do think that if it goes past the first round, Ogi Kubo might have a shot at winning. Okay, okay, you're giving him a lot more, a lot more, uh, a lot more to, uh, to have than I am. Um, I'll be, I'll be in the audience there cheering for Ogi Kubo because he's the underdog. But you know, if Horiguchi wins, it'll be. It'll, that's why I'm not looking forward to this fight because it's just I don't I, I see only one ending and it and it ends with Horiguchi's hands being raised after the first round finish. Exactly, and when it comes down to the main event, and I'm gonna get into the specifics of that. Another rematch, by the in, way. Yeah, in a moment, but when it comes down to the main event. Do you think that the winner of this next fight we're going to talk about, do you think that the winner of this fight will actually be crowned the first champion for Ryzen? Because it's been rumored for months that this fight was supposed to be a championship bout. I thought it was. Was this, Is it now being changed? Is it not a championship bout? I don't I mean, to be honest, I really don't know because... Uh, when it was originally announced that Reina Kubota and Kana Asakura were going to run back their rematch from this past year's Rising Grand Prix Super Animates, I originally thought it was going to be a rematch. I mean, I originally thought it was going to be for the overall first ever Rising Championship which will be in the Super Animate division. But to be honest, I mean, if it's not for the title, if I don't see a nice little belt at the end being given to one of the winners, I mean, being given to one of the ladies for winning this fight, I do think that it's going to be disappointing, very disappointing. But other than that... This is the main event that has been six months in the making. Actually, seven, considering the fact that it was at the end of the year. But, it is, I mean, but, here we are, main event of Rising 11, Kana Asakura versus Reina Kubota 2. Who do you got? Um, before I go into who, uh, what I think, uh, just to give the records, uh, we have uh, Kana Asakura, 12 wins, 2 losses, um, making her, again, as stated, her rise and return against Reyna, uh, Queen Reyna to some, uh, who has a record of 7-1, uh, her only loss is to Kana Azakura, and that was in the uh, Women's uh, Super Adam Weight Grand Prix Tournament that happened last year, uh, where uh, Azakura uh, tapped out Kubota with a rear naked chokehold. Um, 
And just yeah. and uh, well, just uh, what uh, I believe uh, elbows are allowed in this fight. Is that correct? Uh, let me check. In this main event fight, uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Stupid computer. Da, da. Oh yes, elbows are allowed in the main event. Meaning somebody's pretty little face is gonna get busted up. Mm. Now. That's also important because in the tournament, obviously there are no levels allowed because it's a tournament. So there, mm-hmm. there's that. Um, and uh, is it what? What are the round? Are there going to be pride rounds or unified rounds? Three five minute rounds. Okay. Um, regarding the belt, I could have swore that I heard Sakaki Bara said this was going to be for a belt. And I, and I think at the press conferences, they mentioned belt a bunch of times. If this is not for a belt, then I must have missed something or I wasn't paying attention. Uh, because nobody informed me until, until you mentioned it that this might not be actually for the uh, Super Atom Weight belt. Um, if it, there's no belt... Uh, I mean, we know the, the issues with uh, other organizations that have been having with uh, championship belts. And, you know, with the way that Japanese MMA is, you, with fighters fighting in different promotions and taking long long layoffs, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of happy about belts uh, so far. I mean, come to think of it, do you think that it would be a lot less hectic without a belt, or... I'm happy with just tournament... What about? I'm, I'm happy without belts as, as of now. We can do Grand Prix and award Grand Prix belts and all that stuff. Um, but at this point, belts, I think, will just make more of a nuisance to the Ryzen roster. Until they I, they have to first figure out the the mistakes that other promotions are making and how not to repeat those when it comes to belts in their divisions. Oh, you mean like no interim champion? Exactly, exactly. Or or not or none of this catch weight bullshit and all that stuff. I want there. I don't want to hear if I'm hearing interim belts on every other rising card. Then they fucked up, and they are making the same mistakes that every other that a lot of other promotions are making. Um, and also, you know, not to mention Ryzen as a uh, promotion. You know, if they, if if whoever wins this match and um, if it is for a belt and they do win, they do win that belt. You know, let's say uh, Kanazakura goes, then goes to uh, she wins, she goes to Deep Jewels, and she loses to. Uh, well, whoever in the next and 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 in her next Deep Jewels matchup, so you just had the Ryzen Super Atomweight Champion lose to the Deep Jewels, uh, a Deep Jewels uh, non-title contender, and yeah, it would basically be seen as embarrassing to yeah promotion. And, like, and I think for that, example, for example, going back on 
pro wrestling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Remember when Bob Sapp was yep. the IWGP heavyweight champion and he lost that K1 MMA fight to Kazuyuki Fujita? Yep, and they stripped him of uh, they stripped him of the, of the uh, IWGP title. Absolutely, yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and especially because Ryzen. Um, would you say that Ryzen is the biggest promotion in Japan right now, in terms of, uh, I guess, size and notoriety? Well, to be honest, I always think the biggest MMA promotion in Japan was Pride FC. Oh, I mean, but I mean, like right now, Pride right now, currently, would you say that Ryzen probably is the biggest? Yeah, they are the biggest, even though you got mainstays like Deep Shudo and Pan Grace. Mm-hmm. Still out there, still making great fighters and still making great fights. The problem of organization. Yeah. The problem of organization. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say the problem of organizations like Pancreas and Sh- and Shuto and uh, and other promotions. They're at a smaller stage in Ryzen where I don't want to say that they can afford to lose <laughs> that they that they can have their champions lose uh, to other promotions. But Ryzen, at what the stage of what they're at, they ob- you obviously don't want the, the the champions to lose in other in other promotions that are smaller. Mm-hmm. So I like right now that there's no belts, but if Ryzen wants to figure out ways to make belts work, I'm willing to give them a shot on that. But right now, if you hold a gun to my head, and said you want to see belts at Ryzen, I say no. Exactly. Regarding this fight, though, whether it's for a belt or or not for a belt, I am actually really looking forward to this matchup, and that actually is probably the one I'm most looking forward to. Um, I I thought that Reyna would beat uh, Kana in the first match, and I was dead ass wrong about that. And uh, with this match, uh, presuming that uh, Kana, I mean that excuse me, Reyna. Um, learns from her mistakes. Um, it's actually interesting. Uh, in the uh, Ryzen uh, confessions video, I think it was number fourteen. Uh, it was they profile Kana as a current Reina. Um, uh, they have uh, a segment where Reina goes to cha- uh, to uh, train with uh, Rumina Sato. Remember him? Yeah, Rumina Sato, JMMA legend. Yep, the the instinct fighter. And I don't know. I don't want to say he was the first to do a flying armbar, but was he maybe the first Japanese fighter to do a flying armbar? Yes. Uh, uh and um, which uh, uh, Reina, if you remember, in uh, uh, one of her, uh, I, I think it was her second fight, she uh, won by flying armbar. Um, and I no, believe... actually, it was her first MMA oh, fight. She defeated Lena Valentino via flying armbar. Oh, okay. That, oh, that was it. That was it. Um, uh, which, uh, she said she, uh, ch- uh, uh, Sato trained, uh, trained her with. Uh, but in this video, uh, Sato basically says, and he says it's point blank to Reina, and I'm actually, it's like, he has no chill when he is critical of her. He think he says, he tells her, I think you've been coasting on your natural skills in all of your MMA fights. But no. your skills are not, the, your coasting is not good enough for Kana. And... The way that Reina just, the way that she, uh, she just, you could just see her soul just, like, exit her body and just realize, like, just like, wow. 
I am. I I never realized that till now. And um, I don't know if this. I hope this is not like a Ronda Rousey thing where. You know, Roz, Rousey obviously was not the same after her first loss uh, to Holly Holm. If Reyna can hold it together, can can not get taken down, if she doesn't get taken down, figure out a way how to sprawl back up to defend against the missions, I think Reyna can win this by, by a knockout. If she does not, obviously she's going to get taken down and submitted and it'll be no different than the first match. But I'm intrigued by this match based on to see how how Reyna fixed because she was the one to call for this rematch. Kana didn't want this rematch. In fact, she is. I think she publicly stated, "I don't want a rematch against Reyna." Um, and uh, and also Reyna said that when she went into that fight, she saw she thought of Kana as her friend more than her opponent. But now she. Has she says she says that she now sees her Kana now as her opponent as opposed to her friend, and if Reyna does go in there with that mentality, I think that Reyna can win this. I really do think she can win this. What are you th- What are your thoughts? Hey, to be honest, I think Reyna can probably. I mean, I think Reyna probably will win this. But what the topology? What is Tapology basically saying? What is their fandom saying? Uh, they're saying they're picking Kana uh, as a Kura with sixty three percent of the members voting, as a uh, with and Reina uh, at thirty seven percent. So that's yeah, more than I majority. Think I think they're bullshitting, mostly because of the fact that when it comes down to the first fight, Reina had all the tools. In the trade to beat Kana Asakura, she just didn't utilize them. Mm-hmm. I, I both, I think it should be important mentioned both the mental and physical tools. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, if Reyna can hold herself up, if Reyna can keep herself composed enough in order to win this fight, I think it might end in the first round. I, agree. I think it probably might end in the first or second round, but if it doesn't happen, I mean, if it basically goes to, if it basically goes to a third and final round, it probably will, or if it goes to a decision, I won't be surprised if Kana ends up winning it. Mm, I can't see this going to a decision. I think this is going to be finished in the first or second round. And uh, if it is, you know, if it's first or second round, I'm hoping that it's Reyna. Uh, if, if it goes beyond the second round, then probably I would have to give the edge to Kana Azakura to take the win then. But if if Reyna, if Reyna can get that one kick or that, that one kick to the liver or that one punch to the liver, she can end it and probably will have another a third rematch, a rubber match. To have maybe later in the year, yeah, or at the beginning of next year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, it should be uh, it should be noted that uh, Reyna just recently did have a uh, uh, was it a was it a shoot boxing? Bounce? Yeah, shoot boxing, yeah, b- shoot boxing. against uh, Brazilian fighter. I'm forgetting her name right now. Um, but um, I think that was. Uh, I think it was Cindy Alves or something. I um, 
Damn it, I don't remember. But I thought that was an interesting um, type of fire to put her against. Um, oh, it was Elaine Liao. Um, and she won... Uh, uh, Reina won by unanimous decision. Which... Bye. By the way, that was... That was only a few weeks ago. That was uh, on July 6th that fight happened. And uh, she's fighting uh, Rena not too long after that. But I thought it was interesting that they had her face a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. Um, that can't be by accident because, I mean, I know Kama Azakura, no, she's not Brazilian, obviously, but she does have a submission a submission, uh, submission grappling uh, game that's way ahead of Rena. So I have to believe that it was a that was a tune up fight for her to basically kind of get used to a uh, a submission specialist. Uh-huh. Wait, do you think do you think that was that was done deliberately? Uh, yeah, it was done deliberately. Um, but uh, I mean, uh, I think I think this will be a great fight. I do think this is a um. Fight that I am looking forward to. It might actually. I, I, I don't know if I'll say it's most. Most I'm looking forward to. If it's not the most, it's either. The, I mean, Kitaoka and Brando, I'm, I'm really looking forward to. But this match, you know, tied between first and second, I would say uh, this match and the Kitaoka Brando fight, I'm the, I'm, are the two fights I'm most looking forward to. And, you know, I hope that, you know, if Reyna. You know, I just worry that I, I hope that if Reyna loses, that she doesn't turn her back on MMA. I think she still can be a successful MMA fighter, um, even with two losses from uh, Kana, if that winds up happening. Right. Uh huh. Do you have? Uh, is there anything else that you want to say about this matchup? Uh, to be honest, I don't. Other than what I said, if Reyna, I mean, if Reyna can keep her composure, I think she'll probably win in the first or second round. But if she ends up losing her guard, I mean, losing her focus in the third round, or if it goes to a decision, I think Kana might win. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty much split down the middle on this yeah, it's the complete opposite of the, uh, uh, my, my opinion is the complete opposite from the Horiguchi Okikubo fight, um, where, you know, I, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it, it's a hard fight to pick, it really is, Azakura and Reyna, um, but, uh, other than that, um, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, Ryzen 11 card, um, I will actually be in attendance, I'll, I'm going away to Japan tomorrow night, and we'll be in attendance live for this card, uh, and I am, I'm looking at, at forward to it from a live fan perspective, and especially because it's, it's at the uh, Saitama Arena, which I've been to before, and it is, it is an incredible venue. Um, if, if 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 you're ever in Japan, you have to make a, a stop to the site to the Saitama, the famous, world famous Saitama Super Arena, just because mm-hmm. it's such a it's such a marvel, just like everything that's happened there, history-wise. MMA, boxing, wrestling. It's it's such. It you just you can just feel the amount of history when you're walking in there. Just of it's it feels like a massive square garden aura to it. Mhm. And as for the 
for me. I will try and find a way to watch it on the Fight TV app. I'm currently trying to hustle just to get enough credits just to see it. <laughs> but, you know, I just... I mean, if I, whether or not I see, whether or not I see the fight on the Fight TV app or have to go to other means in order to watch it, I just hope the fight will be fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just hope the fight card will be fun to watch, with the exception of the Gomi Gilliard fight. Mm. It's going to take a a whole lot of, it's going to take a whole lot of basically work in order for me to get excited about that fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, to be honest, I just hope that the fight card lives up to the expectation next weekend and everybody will enjoy it for what it is. I hope so too. I hope so too. Um, as for credits, you know, uh, I always find, you know, if you go on, on MMA Reddit for the, uh, on the day of when they have the, uh, the discussion, a lot of discussion for the, uh, for the Ryzen show, or just even posting on Twitter, you uh, when you post, uh, I've ha- I have at least ninety dollars in credits because of how the, of of just posting my uh, Fight TV code all over Reddit, Twitter, and all that stuff. Uh, shit, maybe I need to probably get on Reddit. Maybe I'll get better results just like you have. Oh, uh, it, it will work. Trust me. I I guarantee. As somebody who didn't think it was gonna work. And I've somehow racked up ninety dollars in credits. Uh, I mean, yeah, I won't be watching this show on Fight TV for obvious reasons. But for the next shows, you know, it's you know, I basically have at least five or six shows paid off already, and probably more with uh, with my code. Uh, the more I post it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's uh, that's Ryzen Eleven, and uh, uh, hope what we'll try to do for a review is. I mean, I'm gonna be in a different time zone than you will. I will be wide awake at 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. whatever time the show starts at Japan time. And by the time it's over for you, you'll be probably half asleep or sleeping. Yeah, I probably will because it'll be 6 a.m. in the morning. But, hopefully, when this fight card ends. Yeah, but as for a review show, we'll try to get it up as soon as possible. Uh, we're just going to have to make our... We're going to have to make our time zone um, uh, conversation line up since I will be, uh, since I will be probably, I'll, I'll do it at, at around like 3 a.m. Not to keep you up at like, you know, your, your time 3 a.m. Um, but I, it, I think it'll, I, I'll, it'll be interesting to talk about because uh, you'll see it from, from a television perspective while I'll be there from a live perspective. So I'll definitely, mm-hmm. it's, that uh, that is something I'm definitely looking forward to talking about, and um, uh, well, I think uh, you know, I think you know. Uh, now the more we talked about it, the more I think that this is probably a better card than I originally envisioned, or that I had in the back of my head. Um, and you know, uh, hopefully, uh, all the fights deliver something exciting, uh, in their own way. Uh-huh. And with that, uh, uh, I'd like to give you uh, opportunity, Christian, to uh, plug uh, your Twitter and your uh, other social media and anything uh, about Focus Fights and all that stuff. Well, first of all, 
I mean, like I've been saying before, when it comes down to this podcast, Focus Fights, we are on Twitter, at Focus Fights, our website address is focusfights.com, and let me go ahead and try and uh, get their Twitter account up, at Focus Fights. Focus Fights, we cover combat sports events and prospects from all around the globe on the MMA and combat sports scenes of the U.S., U.K., South Korea, Japan, and Russia. So, yeah, be sure to check us out on FocusFights.com and at FocusFights on Twitter. I, myself, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisGary92. You can add me as a friend on Facebook, search under the name Christian Gary, or, you know, type this into your URL, J, I mean, Facebook.com slash jchristian.gary92, but really, just search for me on Facebook under Christian Gary, that'll be a lot easier, and also, I'm also part of an MMA blog called the MMA Opinion, we also tend to put up fight results and talk about fight news as well, you can check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the MMA opinion or follow them on Twitter. They are under the handle at MMA underscore opinion. So yeah, feel free to check them out as well. And I actually speak at Twitter. Uh, I apologize because uh, I, I missed this in my notes. Um, we actually do have a question that I want that somebody asked us that they wanted uh, to answer. Um, oh, ooh, I yeah. think I, I think I remember the question that they asked. Yes, I actually I I got up right here, and I unfortunately I missed it in my notes because I I was scrolling too fast. But we do have a question from listener uh, Johannes Zavita, uh, who you can follow at. Johannes Zavita, and I'm going to spell that out because uh, it's, a, it's a pretty long name. People not know how, might not know the pronunciation, but the name is, but it's at J-O-H-A-N-N-E-S-Z-E-V-I-T-A. That's at Johannes Zavita. And he actually had two questions, and um, it's, uh, it's actually an interesting question, and um, uh, maybe I think you, uh, I'm, I'm curious to know your answer. Uh, his first question is, Sakaki Barasan stated that there were chances of a Gabby Garcia fighting in Ryzen 11, but this won't happen. Is she available to fight now? And going off of that, his second question is, is there any prediction of when the next Gabby Garcia fight will take place? Well, to be honest, her last fight was in Rhode Island, if I remember correctly. She had a smashing victory... Uh, let me check and see who was her opponent. It was a Russian, um, the Russian fighter. I'm forgetting her name. Um, oh, great. She was a member, I mean, her opponent is probably a member of the Octagon fighting team. Yeah. If I remember correctly. But, yeah, Gabby had a smashing success over in China, defeating Veronica Putina. That was a choke. After, you know, getting those two no contest off her mind, but still. And, uh, I think missing weight. I really do. Uh, but to Johannes, I think that Gabby is available to fight now. As a matter of fact, she's been available to fight 
for at least the last couple of months after defeating Fultina. But as far as your second part of the question goes, I think that the next Gabby Garcia fight will probably... If it doesn't take place on another 1FC card this year, especially in China, I have a feeling that it will probably take place at one of the two rising year-end cards, rising 13 in October, in September or October, and rising 14 at year's end. But if one F, I mean, if Road FC doesn't come a knocking, I'm pretty sure that Gabby will be available for the last two rising cards. That's about all I can say about that. But thanks for the question, Johannes. I also just like we to appreciate that. I would also just like to uh, just add to that. She missed her last fight, uh, she missed weight by 26 pounds. And I'm pretty sure that Ryzen doesn't want her to fight until she can absolutely make whatever weight they want her to make for the next fights. So, if that means waiting a year or six months, Ryzen's gonna, is gonna take that, is gonna do that to make sure she makes weight. Uh, so that she doesn't mi- take it, doesn't miss weight by 26 uh, pounds. Or more, and I can tell you, I, I I follow her on Instagram. She's posting videos of her of her working out, and I I don't, I don't know about losing weight, but she's certainly getting into better ish shape. She's not in bad shape, but she's definitely lo- lo- losing at least some amount of of, of weight. Uh, at least according to her Instagram, she's doing a lot of cardio. She's eating salads and avocados and all that stuff. So she's clearly she's clearly has some she's she's working towards something, it seems like. Um as for when that's I don't know, but I probably do have to say probably it is for a it is for the a, a New Year's Eve show. Um that's what I'm guessing. Hmm. But yes I'm trying to think of it. Do you think it would be comical to see her face off against Yoshiko? Uh, I would love to see that, only see Yoshiko get the shit kicked kick, kick out of her. I would absolutely love yes. to see that. Revenge for Akiyasukawa. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, just not to mention that Yoshi, Yoshihiko is just a... I don't know if you ever seen her act, the way she acts at, uh, at these uh, weigh-ins. She's an absolute... Uh, I don't want to use that word, but uh, let's just say she's not a nice person. And it's yeah, like, she's... It, she and King Rainer are two peas in the same pod. Actually, mostly because they're both assholes. I wouldn't even mind a King Rainer Yoshihiko matchup. That 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 would be oh oh boy. Yeah, but they represent the same fight camp, I think. Oh wait, no, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's the same. It was uh, like when I when uh when I didn't know that Cyborg and 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 Gabby were in the same fight camp. I was. That was a fight I was always looking forward to. Then when I were in the same camp, I was like, "Ah, shit, that fight ain't happening yet." Yeah. But still, to Johannes Zavita, obrigado. Thank you for the question. We appreciate that. Uh, arigato, gozaimasu, as they say in Japanese as well. Uh, and with that, uh, I would just like to also plug our the We Are Rising podcast Twitter, which you can find on Twitter at We Are Rising Pod. That's P O D. At We Are Rising Pod, and you can hear us on SoundCloud and on Stitcher. And currently working on iTunes, getting on iTunes and Audio Boom is what I'm working on. And also a YouTube channel for for audio and video interviews is something to look forward to in the future as well. 
But other than that, uh, Christian, do you have anything else to say about uh, Ryzen or anything else you want to mention? Well, I mean, from what I'm basically looking at on Twitter right now, seeing all the unhappy results about the UFC event in Hamburg, I am pretty sure that this Ryzen card will live up to the expectations I mean, I'm pretty sure that this rising car will live up to a lot of people's expectations next week. Other than that, it's been fun. Thank you for having me on. And I hope that we will get a chance to review this fight card probably same time next week. Well, I don't know about same time because I'll, it'll be 3 a.m. where I am. It'll probably be whatever time it is in Texas. Uh, yeah, it'll probably be high noon, and I'll still be asleep. <laughs> so, well, it'll, it'll, it might be the same day, but certainly not the same time. Yep. And with that, uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening, and hope that you enjoy Ryzen 11, which, again, you can find on Fight TV, uh, which can be purchased through either a credit card or through credits, or you can watch it through Fuji TV through a VPN. But uh, if you can, try to support Ryzen and Fight TV uh, with your money. And with that, everybody, you have a great day. Yeah, have, I mean, hope y'all have fun. And peace, our, peace my peoples, and one of the world. Ah, damn it, I can't even get my own closing catchphrase out. <laughs> but still, you guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you for being a part of our fandom. And we hope you enjoy. The We Are Rising podcast. Later.